0: What does motion sound like? With Kizikans Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizikcom slash socks.
1: Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC.
2: Okay, by me in America. Everything free in America. Forest coffee
3: in America. Gee, could you imagine doing a song like that now?
2: Buying on credit is so nice. One look at us and they charge twice. I have my own washing machine.
0: What
4: will you have though to keep clean?
0: (laughs) Skyscrapers bloom in America.
3: Uh, and this was written by liberals and progressives, conducted by the uber-progressive, Leonard Bernstein. And, I mean, uh, here it is, so pertinent to the 1960s, and let's just apply it to 2022. Because they're coming. Not hundreds, not thousands, tens of thousands bum-rushing the border, illegally coming through. And then the moment they're on the American side saying, I am an asylum seeker. Now, they probably had to practice that like for a week. I have been abused domestically. I am a victim of MS-13. I come from a country where a dictator wants to kill me. Oh, okay. Come on in. Come on in. Underlay, underlay. Everything's for free, free, free. You should have seen what they were getting today, ladies and gentlemen, right here on your place to be WABC. Uh, Let me not digress, because I saw a cabal meeting up before uh, we began this process. I am, I am bereft of the fact that I have been stripped of my African American crew which was part of my other side of Midnight on uh, Saturdays and Sundays. And now I'm stuck with the uh, Frank (sighs) Marano crew, who is uh, so fatuts he was celebrating the 30th birthday of Selena Gomez, the new love in his life. My God, is the guy having a midlife crisis? We'll get to that later on. But, you know, everybody around here at WABC, the number one news talk station in the nation, must have forgot... That yesterday, that's right, yesterday was National Radio Day. Didn't hear a word here or any other radio station. Didn't see anything on TV. Didn't read anything in the newspaper. Even though they give us these long lists each and every day. Rich Rodderballo. This occurred in history 9,000 years ago. Like, who cares? It was National Radio Day yesterday. And you know what? I'm taking responsibility to extend it to All Day Sunday, too. That's right. Two days to celebrate this thing of ours because it is so intimate. It is so personal. It is just giving you the cutting edge of what's going on instead of all the political correctness. I was watching all the reports. There were more Greyhound buses that arrived at the Port Authority this morning than ever before. Right from Texas, courtesy of Governor Abbott, was like the cat that swallowed Tweety's bird. Tweety bird. <laughs> Boy, has he gotten over on us. And uh, Eric Adams, the mayor, with no plan. You're not going to find him down at the Port Authority anymore. No, no, he did that last Sunday. And he got his ass kicked in the media by Governor ba- uh, Governor Abbott, who said, make my day. So then it was Governor Crime Wave Kathy Holcomb who jumped in and said, oh, we want the illegals. Because we need them to work. We need them to milk the cows. We need them in the vineyards. We need them out there fertilizing the fields in upstate New York. Not. Nah. All of a sudden, the farmers had to tell her, hey, we have to hire legal aliens to do the work. You know, that's the rules and regulations. Oh, rules and regulations. Who needs rules and regulations? And then she says she was walking down the streets of Manhattan... Walking down the streets of Albany, Washington Avenue, right near the nation's capital. And she saw all these signs in the window. Help wanted, help wanted. Hey, Kathy Crime Wave Hochul, I don't know what signs you're looking at. I'm looking at for rent, lease, empty, finito, mom and pop shops, dead on arrival. What the hell are you talking about, lady? But then realizing that Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, was not ready for prime time. And that uh, Governor Abbott was pimp-slapping Adams and Governor Crime Wave Kathy Holcomb. Who stepped into the fray to anoint this process of welcoming illegals by the tens, by the thousands, by the tens of thousands, soon by the hundreds of thousands? Well, there in his black regal robes and his cardinal's cap, not for the St. Louis cardinals, was Cardinal Dolan with that big, dumb grin on his face, because he ain't going to have to take care of these illegals through Catholic charity. We are. But this is what he had to say, because he's never been more for toots, more in the limelight. He looks like Santa Claus, right? Like, all these illegal kids are going to get on his knees, going to be a Macy's, you know, Santa Claus. Hey, what do you want? A Santa, I'd like uh, toys. free, all free. Take whatever you want in Macy's. That's right, go up, take the dresses, take the dungarees, take the shoes, take the sneakers, whatever you want. Free. F-R-E-E, courtesy of Papa Chulo, a.k.a. Who's your daddy? And sometimes he mumbles and stumbles in that basement somewhere in Delaware, the Papa Chulo of all the illegals, President Biden. You remember him in the campaign against then-President Donald Trump? Like Pedro Martinez of the Boston Red Sox, who said to all Yankee fans, Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? They came with placards, signs. They had T-shirts and Papa Chulo, Papa Chulo Biden. And he was saying, underly, underly, underly. Along with Vice President Giggles Harris and Mayorkas, uh, head of the Department of Homeland Security. Will we even have a homeland soon? (laughs) My God! Everything free! Free! Uh, Let me hear the cardinal on this day, on Sunday, in which if you go to your average uh, Roman Catholic parish, go to the English-speaking masses, and you can roll a bowling ball through, a Brunswick bowling ball, and not hit anybody in any of the pews, except for a few widows who just lost their spouses, and they're dressed all in black, and they figure, i got to do this for about a year. Uh, you know light the candles, go to novena stations of the cross and attend every Sunday all eight of us. the rest of the church empty. and then you have the Spanish language masks, which is about 11 our mind, backed up outside the doors in the rafters. they have to set up jumbotrons outside. And you know the Catholic Church they say, we understand you don't have the big books you can't do an endowment. But give us whatever freaking pesos you got. That's your tithing, huh? Come on, give us those pesos. You want to earn your way to heaven, just remember, it's indulgences. Isn't that what Martin Luther one time did? Said, we're not paying those stinking indulgences anymore. That's your pathway to heaven. Money, pesos, pecunia, euros, dollars. They have that ingrained in our heads. If you don't give, you don't go to heaven. Oh, wait a second, patron, you mean if I'm a sinner, if I kill, if I loot, if I steal, if I'm MS-13, if I have tats up and down my neck like a giraffe on my head, F you in Spanish, that's fine, I go to heaven. As long as you give us a donation and say, Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, forgiven, you're going straight to heaven. Oh, isn't this great to be in America? I thought back in El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, I'm just going to end up in the bowels of hell. I need a sort of double double, uh, intensive uh, asbestos suit to survive that process. They said that I would be stuck with Diablo. Not here in America. All you got to do is give a tithing and just say, Hmm, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Right to heaven. Right to heaven, store St. Peter's. Get out of the way. He just paid his way into heaven. What an indulgence! Our number is one 9222 That's one 848 WABC. But of course, the man who brought everything to order, recognizing that our local politicians were getting uh, hoodwinked, bamboozled, and snookered by Governor Abbott down in Texas, Cardinal uh, Dolan showed up, and again, like Sandy Clutch with that big smile, and that big grin, and that big belly, he was saying, "Welcome." well
1: these just aren't cases these just aren't uh these just aren't problems these just aren't statistics these are not just refugees and asylum seekers in the plural these
3: are people with names and with dads and moms i'm sure they have dads and moms but do we really know their names because they were never expected to show identification By the way, Cardinal Dolan, knock, knock, who's there? I'm an illegal alien. Will you let me into the rectory of St. Patrick's? No, nobody's home. Sorry. Everybody else, uh, you have to welcome the illegal aliens, but you go over to the rectory of St. Patrick's Cathedral. I've been there before when Cardinal O'Connor was the uh, cardinal. A lot of space in that rectory. Hey, Cardinal Dolan, got some room in the inn? Of course not. Of course not. Do as I say, not as I do. And then he was talking and touting the virtues of Catholic charities, how they were providing uh, food and nourishment and uh, clothes for the poor and the impoverished, the indigent who had tracked miles through jungles of El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala, through the jungles of uh, Southern Mexico in order to get to the border and come across... He made a very passionate presentation. He sounded like a liberational theologian, sort of like uh, Pope Francis. Pope Francis, who, as the Argentine bouncer outside of the nightclubs and the strip clubs, eventually elevated himself to become Pope of the Roman Catholic Church. And by the way, uh, he worshipped Che, Che Guevara, and not Jesus Christ. Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight WABC. So, Matt Blaze, pay attention, because for all we know, you're an illegal alien with that name Blaze. Yeah, well, God, the fugitive. What a bunch of aliases you had. So earlier today, as all the illegals were pouring out of the Port Authority, they said, wait a second. That's not the only bus you're taking. We're taking you right on up to Lincoln Hospital in the South Bronx. It's Familia Day. They said, what, what? Yeah, well, we're going to give you everything. I mean, phones, we're giving you health insurance, we're giving you clothes, we're going to wipe your tuchus, we're going to blow your nose, we're going to brush your teeth. We're going to make you, well, we can't quite make you a citizen yet, and we can't quite give you the right to vote. But then again, we're going to try, 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 try. So you saw hundreds of these illegal aliens, fresh, many of them from Venezuela, from Maduro land, Chavez land, from Colombia, from El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala, the Dominican uh, Republic from Mexico. And they were all lined up around the block at Lincoln Hospital. And, oh, my God, they were getting health coverage. You know, there are Americans that don't have health insurance (laughs) that are killing themselves to make the premium payments. All they did was line up, and people were running up to them and say, Oh, we're giving you health insurance. They said, Health care coverage? Oh, absolutely. But I'm an illegal. You know, I just got it. Doesn't matter. But you want my name? No. We don't want to know who you are. We'll just put X here. X. That's you. You go to any city, municipal, hospital, and they got to take care of you. But I thought the rules were of Obamacare that if you're an illegal, you can't go and get health coverage. Well, we're changing the rules here in the city of New York because this is New York City, and we are a sanctuary city. And Obama is no longer the president. It's Papa chulo Biden. Biden care. Biden care pays for all illegal aliens. Psst. You mean sucker citizens pay for all illegal aliens? Listen, they're taking sell sellies and they're sending them back, right, to people who are in their countries of origin. Say. Can you believe this? We arrived within 12 hours. We had full health coverage. We had food, school supplies, and we had free Obama phones. And the bills get paid not by us, but by who, who's paying for this? Well, let's just say a, a donor. Uh, the people of the United States, who very much want you to stay in our country, very much so. Really? The people of the United States are giving us all of this stuff free. Absolutely, because you deserve it. Now, I want to give you some of the comments of particularly the Venezuelans, right? They were in the bowels of Caracas, in Maduro land. They didn't have a pot to piss in. They're talking about we walked through the jungles, through the Isthmus of Panama, for five freaking days, got bit by mosquitoes, there were poisonous snakes, There were Crocs, alligators. We got through all of that. But you know something? We were on the Greyhound bus, and the bathroom wasn't working for a few hours, and we feel that we were deprived of bathroom facilities. I'm saying I I pounded the Greyhound all over this country to organize Guardian Angel chapters. You don't go to the commode in the back of the Greyhound bus. Normally by the fourth flush, it's overflowing. It's a blue lagoon coming right down the aisle towards the driver's seat. And they're complaining about that. Yeah, other Venezuelans say, when I first arrived, I wasn't feeling good. We didn't sleep or eat well. Well, excuse me. Maybe we should have had Jeeves there on the Greyhound bus, like it was the Jitney to the Hamptons, right? Oh, yes, Uh, champagne, champagne, imported cheese from Frank Morano, because he doesn't eat Velveeta; He only eats imported cheese. What did you think this was, Robin Leach, the lifetime of the rich and famous? They're complaining. Then some other Venezuelan family said... You know, we had to sleep on the floor of the intake center in the Bronx for two whole days. A familiar, we, on the floor. Excuse me, where were you sleeping before? Well, we had no floor before. We had nothing. We were sleeping in the jungle. We were afraid that the, the jaguars and the cougars would rip us limb from limb on our trip to America, to Joe Biden land, to Papa Chulo. But now we were told, because we had to sleep on the floor for two days at the intake center, we could sue. Yes, there were lawyers outside going through all these exercises. I guess they train as martial artists in the ancient art of I sue. And they were saying, because you had to sleep on the floor, you're all entitled to $5,000. Miguel said, 5,000 pesos. No, American dollars, pal. You mean just for sleeping on the floor, being allowed to come to America, getting free health care, free food, free school supplies, free Obama phones, and I get to sue the U.S. too? Isn't it great to be an American? (laughs) So they're all outside of the Lincoln Hospital. By the way, uh, now that they have health care coverage at our expense, I would suggest never, ever going to the E.R. in the Lincoln Hospital. I've been there. You'd be better off in an uh, ER in Caracas, Venezuela, in Santo Domingo, in the Dominican Republic, in Guatemala City. Don't go to Lincoln Hospital. Oh, my God. That's almost certain death. So then they got back on the bus. It's like they're always riding buses, and these are not just school buses. Oh, no, Matt Blaze and Kendall here, who went to sleep on me in one of the shifts after he had Ambien. Don't give me that Tiger Woods Kennedy excuse. You stay wide alert, and you better have a bushy tail and be ready to process these calls. So after they got all this free stuff, free insurance that most Americans can't get, free health care coverage, free food, free school supplies, free clothes, free Obama phones, paid up for a year, they then had to get back on the bus, and guess where they were going? They were going to where they're going to be staying, the Milford Plaza. Come on, along.
2: Of it all. The Milford Plaza.
5: Stay at the Milford
1: Plaza Hotel with cocktail dinner and breakfast for $49.50 per person. Discover why we are
3: the Lullaby of Broadway.
1: The Milford Plaza is the Lullaby of
6: all
3: Broadway. 1,300 rooms. Free. You heard with meals and cocktails, right? With a concierge. With a uh, bellboy service. Can I say bellboy or bell person or whatever? You know, Kathy, Crime Wave, Holcomb may get very upset. I just want to ask one thing. There's 1,300 rooms there. They're looking for another 5,000 rooms. Friends of Eric Adams and Crime Wave Kathy Holcomb. Follow the money. Follow the money. Who's paying for all this? Who's paying for all this? Oh, by the way, uh, once again, Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, who was all over the city, but not dealing with the illegals because he figured, whoa. Abbott got the worst of me, man. I'm staying out of that fracas. He keeps saying that he's making an appeal to Papa Chula, to Joe Biden. We're reaching out uh, to the federal government and stating this is a real burden on New Yorkers as we're trying to do the right thing. Uh, we already, as I stated, we already have an overburdened shelter system. So now we're talking about, as you stated,
6: food, clothing, school. This is going to impact our uh, our schools because we do not turn away individuals because they're undocumented. Uh, translation services, there's just a whole host of things that this is going to produce. And that's why we need, we need help in getting this done. And we need to write coordination to make it happen.
3: Eric, 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 who's paying for this? Since Joe Biden won't return your phone calls, right? Because <laughs> he ain't paying for it. We're paying for it, not Catholic charities, not Cardinal Dole. America. This is incredible. And now they're complaining oh, we got to register a thousand of the illegal children into the public school system. You know, I would suggest to those uh, folks in this staying at the Milford Plaza homeschooling a hell of a lot better. You know, you could teach them about Rosita of Sesame Street. You're actually permitted to mention Rosita in your. Don't mention Rosita anywhere else. You may piss the hell off of black people. Just keep it right in your hotel room. I I can't believe this. We're complaining we got a house, a thousand of these illegal kids in public school. They're better off staying in the hotel room with their parents getting homeschooling or just watching the TV or listening to WABC and learning English from me, Curtis Slewa. Uh, wait a minute. That might not necessarily be good. Speaking in Sliwanics instead of the Queen's English. But what the hell? You get what I'm saying? Meantime, we got 120,000 less students in the public school system, and they've actually increased the 36 billion dollar bloated budget, which is one third of the budget to run every agency. In the city of New York, and we never refunded the police. Remember, de Blasio and city council took a billion dollars out. Never put one penny back. Never hired one cop. Never hired one correctional officer. But, oh, pump it up there. I want to hear what all these illegals are getting. Wouldn't you be dancing? Wouldn't you be out in the streets of Broadway? Wouldn't you be saying to Spielberg, we don't want the new West Side Story, we like the old one where we sang, come to America, everything for free, free, free! 1-800-848-9222, that's 1-800-848-WABC, and don't forget, we are continuing to celebrate an extended day of National Radio Day, since nobody around here bothered to even mention it yesterday. Shame on you, Matt Blaze. Shame on you, Ken. Shame on you, brown-nosed producer of the Frank Morano show, Alex. Shame on you, Frank Marano. Who, oh, but, but no, Selena Gomez. I love Selena Gomez. He tried to get into her 30th birthday party. The guy is, like, loving Selena Gomez. That's all I heard all last week with him making love to Selena Gomez. The great
2: Selena Gomez.
3: God. Selena
2: Gomez, love you like a love song. I am now a fan of Selena Gomez uh, because of that Woody Allen picture that she did, uh, a rainy day in New York. I loved, loved, loved her performance in that film.
3: Enough, enough. The guy's having a midlife crisis. Poor Rachel. She got, first it was Tulsi Gabbard, you know, the former congresswoman from Hawaii. Who wouldn't give Frank Morano any play on the other side of midnight. I would never do an interview with him, even though he traveled to Hawaii, went to every tiki bar, got, I mean, drop-dead drunk, and still couldn't find Tulsi Gabbard, even though she was here doing the Tucker Carlson show, wouldn't return his call. So he's on to Selena Gomez, who just had her 30th birthday party, wouldn't let Frank Morano come. And he's actually going to be hanging outside of the building, two blocks from where I live, where they do only murders in the building with Steve Martin, Martin Short, and actually Selena Gomez, right there on the corner of 86 between Broadway and Amsterdam. Selena! I love you! I love you! Selena Gomez! God! How shameful. Does this man not have any self-esteem going through a midlife crisis? Let me, let me tell you, I hate Selena Gomez, okay? Let me establish that. I don't like her singing. I don't like her in Only Murders in the Building. When you hear her, you say, what a lame actress. But yet, here's Frank Murano all for toots. Ooh. Our number is 1-800. Selena
2: Gomez. God.
3: How shameful. You guys should be ashamed to be on the Frank Morano Mamaloo Crew. That's 1-800-848-WABC.
2: WABC.
1: Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC.
3: Zeppelin, the immigrant song, except he's singing about the Norsemen, the McWhitey-Whiteys. Now, no people of color on that long Norse ship, that's for sure. By the way, I play this song because it is the immigrant song because Robert Plant, to all you metalheads, has said, even though he's got the voice, he can still sing falsetto. You can forget Him going back on the stage and going on tour with Jimmy Page playing those rips for Led Zeppelin. But I will tell you this, there is an advantage. Having spent a lot of time in Central America and in Mexico, especially Mexico City, a lot of Central Americans and Mexicans love heavy metal. Oh, my God, they run around, long hair. They got Iron Maiden shirts, Black Sabbath, Pantera, Judas Priest, they're, like, totally into They fill 100,000 people in Azteca Stadium, one of the largest stadiums in the world. And they love the heavy metal headbangers ball. You know, heavy metal, it's like meds and meds at Poco Poco. Not as popular as it used to be, Matt Blaze. I think, you know, with all these illegal aliens, the only ones that should be let through is they got to show that they are heavy metal heads with Iron Maiden shirts, Black Sabbath, Pantera, Judas Priest, then bring them in. Let me, either that or they got to they gotta dribble a soccer ball across the border and say they're going to play for the U.S. team so we can finally compete in World Cup. Or for the benefit of the Yankees, especially those from Venezuela, they got to show if they can pitch, field, and hit because we need them for the final 40 games in order to get into the playoffs, Right. I can just see the scouts. Cashman has the scouts at the board. Hold on before you let them in. Any of you guys from uh, Venezuela? Pitch, catch, hit. Of course, that's all we do there. There's nothing else to do but play baseball. All right, we'll give you a tryout right here. Next thing, Yankee Stadium. Oh, my God, contract, millions of dollars. Yeah, but I'm an illegal. Don't worry about that. We'll take care of that. In New York City, there's no such thing as illegal. It's a sanctuary city. You're one of us. In fact, you'll be able to vote. Vote? Not a problem. You'll do whatever we tell you to do in terms of who to vote for. Oh, this is, isn't it great to be in America? Anyway, uh, let's go if we can. To Pamela it's calling from central New Jersey, your turn to be heard here at WABC. Pamela? Uh,
0: good evening. Um, it's interesting how... The left has accused Christians of enslaving the world and colonizing the world, but yet they're willing to use them to aid and abet their illegal activities. Hmm. Interesting.
3: Oh, yeah. You know, uh, for instance, the big divider with a lot of the left, the leftist progressives, uh, socialists, communists is the question of abortion. There used to be a very radical Catholic. She had a newspaper, Dorothy Day, hardcore anti-abortion. They basically wiped her out. It's like you can't even mention her name in any of their far-left meetings simply because she took a position different than them on abortion. She's persona non grata. Even though she fed the poor, clothed the indigent, did God's work, lived a... A very impoverished life herself, a very chaste life. They basically, you can't even mention her name, Pamela. Mm
0: hmm. They, they're willing to use, and the unfortunate thing is they're being used, these groups, the NGOs.
3: Well, and a lot of them, they hate religion. Even though I must tell you, I grew up in the Roman Catholic Church, I knew of many liberational theologians who were all the way, all the way on the left, like Pope Francis closer to Che Guevara than they are to Jesus but I will tell you this uh, the Catholic Church has done an amazingly good job taking care of the poor the indigent those who are impoverished it's just their leaders lead such an ostentatious life you know there are a lot of illegal aliens in Italy I know I have seven chapters there and what we deal with is crimes committed by the illegal aliens from North Africa if they happen to be in Rome let's say they're from Libya or Somalia, or Eritrea, or Ethiopia. Every one of them, at one point, were a colony of Italy under Benito Mussolini. If they knock on the Vatican door, right, one of the wealthiest pieces of real estate in the world, if not the wealthiest, and they say, I'm here, Pope Francis, I'm here seeking sanctuary. I can't hear you. Uh, sanctuary. They say it in Italian. They say it in their native dialect. They say it in English. I'm here, Pope Francis. Are you going to embrace me or are you going to bring me into the Vatican? And the Swiss Guard are outside with their Gurkha knife saying, step away from that gate. Don't even touch the gate of the Vatican. Sanctimonious hypocrites. 1 800 Let's go to uh, Michael calling from Pennsylvania. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Michael.
6: Hey, Curtis.
7: Oh, you killing me on the last saber. You're so funny. That was so funny, but yet so
6: true, everything that you've said so far. And you know what? They're going to be better off than the poor in New York. By the time this thing is over, forget it.
3: I will will tell you, uh, Michael, uh, I've been over to the Bellevue Shelter, which is one of many shelters, but it's an intake center. And oftentimes the uh, single, able-bodied men who have crossed the border illegally, of which there are many, they try to tell you it's all women and children, Bull feathers.
6: No, I see them coming off the bus on TV. I don't buy that.
3: Yeah, and also look at their tattoos on their neck, on their knuckles, on their forehead. Uh, MS-13, 18th Street, uh, Trinitarios. In the meantime, there's Cardinal Dolan embracing them. They're taking selfies and sending it back saying, you're not going to believe this guy's in El Salvador. They welcome us. MS-13, I'm here with the Cardinal. You can't, Michael, you, you can't make this up, so you go to Bellevue. This is the guy that, that won't give him any money in Italy. <laughs> nope. No, 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 I'm, uh, you should see the church, although they will deal with the poor, the indigent, they will provide food, nourishment, they will provide uh, clothing. But the leaders like the Pope, Pope Francis, you know, the Vatican is not a very big place, but there's a lot of space in the Vatican how come they're not housing any illegal aliens in the Vatican? How come Cardinal Dolan isn't uh, allowing half the rectory, which is empty at St. Patrick's Cathedral, to house, if nothing more, women and children coming in who are illegal?
6: That would be fine if they did that. At least give them a start somewhere like that instead of, you know, in the Milford Plaza.
3: <laughs> wait, wait, now that <laughs> you. Michael, I kid you not. Remember. Think about it. When you were sitting in Pennsylvania years ago and thinking, you know, let's go visit Broadway, spend the weekend. Hun, where where are we going to spend the weekend?
1: Come on, Lord. Stay at the Milford Plaza Hotel with cocktail dinner and breakfast for $49.50 per person. Discover why we are the Lullaby of Broadway. The Milford
2: Plaza is the Lullaby of Broadway.
3: Michael, we're giving them cocktail dinner and breakfast. Oh jeez! <laughs> I'm telling unbelievable. you, and, and the it's and unbelievable. the the hotel union, the men and women who work uh, in the Milford Plaza and the other hotels that are going to be turned into now places where the illegals are housed, they're supporting this because this is job security. Because whatever government government check pays for this, whether it's from the city or the state or the federal government, let's face it, that's like money in the bank, Michael.
6: Absolutely.
3: Now, Michael, who do, you, who do you think owns all these hotels that are being chose to convert from just normal traffic, normal tourists, normal people coming in to see a show, go to, uh, you know, go to dinner, spend the weekend shopping? Who do you think owns I these hotels? I have no idea. Well, <laughs> want to uh, bet that they are politically connected to either Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, Governor Crime Wave Hokum or the Democratic Party machine that is calling all the shots on this. By the way, I don't I don't really hear from some of my fellow Republicans on this. What they they don't want to attack the Roman Catholic Church, Colonel Dolan. You know, they tell me, "Come on, Curtis. Come on, that's that's the Roman Catholic Church, you know, they got voters there. They, they'll get insulted. They won't vote for us." Oh, So we should close our eyes? We should put window shades on our eyes, cotton balls in our ears, and a zipper on our mouth? Watch. You'll see. The Mama Luke, Frank Marano, when he comes in and do The Other Side of Midnight while he's singing songs to Selena Gomez. Oh, I love Selena Gomez. Watch him. He who has left the Roman Catholic Church... He who declares himself after being an Episcopalian, a wannabe Catholic, now a Methodist like Hillary Rodham Clinton and Bush forty three, watch him not disparage Cardinal Dolan. Oh, Curtis, don't do that. It'll cost us votes. Oh, I shouldn't speak up for America. I'm an American first. I was a Roman Catholic by birth, and by the way, I'm an AMP Catholic. Ashes on Wednesday, Palms on Sunday. Then you don't see me for a month of Sundays.
5: W.A.B.C. The founder of the Guardian Angels, a group dedicated to
1: fight crime on the streets of New York and on the air right now. Curtis Lewa on 77 WABC
3: relax relax this is a puerto Rican, a boricua bad money soon to be a big movie star you know like j-lo baby got back uh oh god i have to watch another one of these marriage ceremonies i mean what a diva and look at that look at that may tag of hers then, whack, whack, aflack He's going to soon be off the wagon, man. He's going to be doing coke and drinking again. Man, he's pimp-slapping it around. They got married in Las Vegas, right? They eloped. Oh, big news. They, they eloped to the Little White Church in downtown Las Vegas with the uh, bad impression uh, of Elvis Presley marrying them. You know, God. Then she decides she wants to get remarried again. I mean, that gives me nightmares. Never mind others. And not only that, it's not one day. It's three freaking days for all the paparazzi. Because who is she? She is J-Lo from the block, from Castle Hill, Preston High School. Yeah, legitimately Bronx. Unlike AOC, all-out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Leader of the Democratic Socialists of America, the Justice Warriors, better known as Sandra ocasio Up there in the very privileged area. I think it was Tarrytown Heights in Westchester. Oh, my God. Relax. Remember, Puerto Ricans are Americans by birth. I have to constantly remind people, what is that flag they're flying? That's not the Cuban flag. It looks a little bit like the Cuban flag. It's the Puerto Rican flag. Like we have a New York State flag that nobody recognizes and a New York City flag... They have the Commonwealth flag of Puerto Rico. The difference is they don't have the coquille on it anymore. I used to love the little coqui on it. You know what a coqui is, Matt Blaze? Of course you don't. Uh, you're not people of color on this. Frank Murano, Mamalu Lou Cruel, cool, oh, Kent. He's the ultimate McWhitey Whitey. And then Alex, the brown nose, who's got his nose all the way up, Frank's took his. I got to inherit all three of these for the show that precedes theirs, and also the barrier, Dominic Carter, coming on at 12. Do you not know where the coquille is? So important. to the island of Puerto Rico. And they took the coquille off the flag. So don't be frightened. Puerto Ricans are American just like us. I know many of you. Are you American? You're Puerto Rican, right? You're... Like Spick and Span. Oh, did I say that? Oh, my God. That's right. Jets and Sharks. I need a little Jets and Sharks here. Please, my Astro. I need a little West Side Story Jets and Sharks. Because remember, at one point, they were the enemy. With San Juan Hill, it's where Lincoln Center is now. It used to be teeming with tenements. It was Irish. It was Italians. And they were moving in from the island of Puerto Rico for their labor. They were working in the sweatshops. They were doing maintenance work. One of them was uh, was an orphan, a guy named Herman Badillo, who could not read, could not write, had malaria, survived that, ended up being a building superintendent, and then studied. And then all of a sudden went to a city university when it was free, if you had the marks, and almost became mayor of the city of New York. Man, when I take a break, I better get my Jets and Sharks, man, because I need to save myself. I was talking about Spick and Span. People were going to get the wrong idea. You know, a lot of people think, I'm a Boricua. Cote Silva, vaya. But it's okay. Keep it right there. Keep it right there. Relax, Matt Blaze. I know you're not used to uh, Bad Bunny. You're not used to uh, La Mega. Radio Radio Escawada. Radio Wado, relax. They're not taking over. They're us. They're us. They fought in war, side by side with Americans. Uh, Alex out there, he's like hunkering down. He's like, Oh my God. No, no, Puerto Rican citizens by birth, please. You know how many times I have to educate people about this? Anyway, let's go to the phones. Let's go to Jose who's calling from West New York. You're turning to be heard here at WABC, Jose. Hello, Jose. Is this uh, Ken? I mean, is Ken sabotaging my callers? Hello, Jose. Jose, I'm here. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm waiting for you, Jose. What do you think? Uh, am I holding on to my three-piece set here, Jose? It hurts. I'm sorry. Listen, check out "Twisted Justice" on CNN. Back. Oh, wow. Ken, man, I'm going to strangle you. I'm going to pimp slap you so hard your mother's going to feel the vibrations. You see? You see, ladies and gentlemen, when I, I get to Junior Varsity here on Sunday nights, the rest of the weekend, I mean, top shelf, five-star, it's the all-star team. It's brothers and sisters. I got uh, Bill on loan from, uh, oh, yeah, CBS FM, man. He's iconic, 40 years there. Uh, We got Avery, who sometimes substitutes for you, white boy Ken. And then we got Carmelita Concedo, or whatever the hell her name is, the sister from Canarsie, I forget. But they're all black, we're proud, they think I'm black because Curtis is generally a black name, right? I mean, you think, Curtis? I mean, if you had to take a guess, and you didn't know what Curtis they were talking about, people would say, do you think behind door one the Curtis there is black or white? Most people would say black, like... Curtis Jackson, a.k.a. 50 Cent. They would accuse me of culturally appropriating the name Curtis. I was given this name by my father. I have no idea why he called me Curtis. It's not because he wanted an African-American child. I can't talk to him any longer. He's no longer here unless I channel him like Hillary Rodham Clinton, who every day in the whitest suburb of America, Chappaqua, where even the lawn jockeys are white, she's online for her double latte and then she goes to um, the forest and channels Eleanor Roosevelt. See, I can't channel my dad or my mom. In fact, I try to call Jesus all the time or oh, Hashem, Buddha, Allah. I'll accept anybody. They never want to talk to me. All these politicians, right? Ted Cruz. Oh, I've had conversations with God. He wants me to run for president. What's the number, Ted? Can I call? No, not for you. Eric Adams. God chose me to be mayor, right? Uh, God is a sheep. Eric, do you think you could do me a solid since you beat me in the general election? Could I have that number? I'd like to speak to the goddess. You don't call her a god if she's a female, schmuck. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, Chats and Sharks. Well, this is going to save me from that Spick and Span comment. Because it was about Boricuas, Puerto Ricanos and white ethnic guys. Remember? Maria? Oh yeah. Oh God. Maria. Natalie Wood. The, The whole world fell in love with Natalie Wood. And then Officer Krumke, man, he was a nasty cop. Man, he had that billy club, right? He had that nightstick. Ooh. I think uh, he favored the white ethnics, even though it seems to me he hated them all, man. He wanted them all in reform school. He wanted them in spot foot. And if they were old enough, yes, Rikers Island. And nobody complained back then. Wow. This is so good. This is the old West Side Story. I hated it. The new version with Spielberg. It was so politically correct. And it was filmed in Patterson, New Jersey, to cut costs. Up the hill, down the hill, first ward, fourth ward. How do I know? We were patrolling there when they were filming. Hey, why are you filming here? It's cheaper. Uh, Oh, you don't like the aesthetics? No, no, it's just, it's cheaper to do it here. Well, at least he was being honest, right? And I mean, there were a lot of Central Americans and Dominicans there looking at that saying, that's not us, that's Puerto Ricans, that's Boricuas. Anyway, our number's one-eight hundred-eight
1: 9222
2: eight-nine two two two. You're a family man. W A B C
1: New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC.
0: I had a dream. We were sipping whiskey neat. Highest floor of
8: the Bowery. And I was high enough.
3: God, I hate somewhere along I hate Selena. Maria Gomez. He's got to be a Tex Mex. He's got to be Mexican. Texas. Tex Mex. And the reason I'm being forced to play this is the sickle fans, toadies, and lackeys of Frank Morano, who unfortunately I'm saddled with, are preparing the way for the other side of Midnight 1 to 5, where all of a sudden, in a midlife crisis, Frank Morano, I don't know how Rachel is taking this, has professed love and adoration. To a woman who just turned 30 and did not invite him to her birthday party.
2: The great Selena Gomez, who I am uh, uh, now a fan of. I I don't know, do the Selena Gomez fans have a name? Are we Selena Holics or something? Or Gomez Heads or Gomezites? Is there a name? And are there, are there meetings that I could show up at? Is there a fan club that I can join? Uh, I uh, became a fan of Selena Gomez because of her acting, but she has won me over with her music and her advocacy for organ donation and things of that nature. you have any idea, Matt, what the Selena-holics are called, if anything?
5: I don't think they're called anything, but I'm thinking maybe you should come up with that.
2: I, I don't feel like it's my place. I feel like I'm the low man on the Selena Gomez totem pole. I need to pay my dues in the Selena Gomez fandom community. And then work my way up to maybe four or five years being in a position to offer n- names for, for
3: things. God, sickle fan, and Lackey. Oh, he fell in love with her because she believes in organ donation. Yeah, like I'm going to believe that one. So anyway, I got to tell Frank, right down the block from us, Nancy likes this show. I hate it. Hulu, only murders in the building, you know, with Steve Martin, Martin Short, and of course, Selena Gomez. As an actress, she sucks. She really does. But I can see Frank Morano outside, you know, with the big sign, with the goofy glasses on, with his pocket protector, you know, with the cocktail, the Velveeta cocktail in one hand. I love you, Selena. I love you. So shameful what happens to men in their midlife crisis. Some want to dodge a charger. Some want to opine to Selena Gomez. I mean... At her age, that almost makes Frank Morano a pedophile. I mean, gosh. Oh, boy. Let's go to Ernie who's calling from Porchester, who is um, betwixt uh, at the fact that I hinted at something, teased at something, but I didn't give the answer, Ernie.
6: Yeah, what's a cookie?
3: You have no idea what a cookie is? No. I'd have to look it up. Ernie, have you ever been to the beautiful island, uh, the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico? No, I haven't, actually. They have magnificent, these rainforests, way up in the hills with the Jibaros. The Jibaros, those are the the locals. Because the people from New York who've moved back, they've destroyed it. But. Whether you're in Ponce Mayague, whether you're in Levittown, yes they have a Levittown. O'Reilly does not live in that Levittown. He didn't grow up there. That's the one in Long Island. There's one outside of Allentown. But there's an there is a Levittown right outside of San Juan, beautiful country. And the coquille, you hear wow. you hear the coquilles late at night. Coo. <coughs> <coughs> They're frogs. They're little frogs. And if not for those little coquies, snacking up those mosquitoes with West Nile virus, that would be it. The island would yeah. be vacated. I mean, they've had earthquakes. Uh, they've had the storms there, right? The hurricanes. If not for the cookie, snapping up those mosquitoes with West Nile virus, that would it. All the Puerto Ricans would have to leave and go to Orlando and Kissimmee in central Florida. Does that that answer your question, Ernie? Yeah, Mother Nature. Hey, something else you said. The Chargers and the Challengers are gone in 23. What? Yep, no more. Wait a second. My oldest son, Anthony, right? He just graduated high school. He's got a high school ring, something I never got. He keeps telling me, Dad, Dad, I want a brand-new Dodge Charger. And I said, get a paper route. Get a paper route, kid. You kidding? Yeah, I had to paper route for six years. Wow! No more dodge I was, charges. I was, I was the only one driving a
6: car to pay my bill on Saturday. All
3: right, all right. I I, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to compromise with the kid. How about a Yugo? It's what, like six of them left, you know, from the years of Tito when he was the dictator in Yugoslavia. Or what about the a yellow Vega? a Ford Vega, that that baby will blow up, right? I can't do that. That's my son. What can I do, man? I'm sort of stuck. Anyway, let's go to uh, Fred, who's calling from Garfield, New Jersey, where my sister Maria lived uh, for a while. There was Mexicans, there was Polish, and there was Italians. Am I right about that, Fred? Yeah,
7: Curtis, last night when when you played... Selena Gomez, you didn't mention her name at first, and I thought it was Colby Collet. But then I said to myself later on, Colby Collet is much better than Selena Gomez.
3: Ah, uh, I, I agree. I concur right? with you, Fred. I con- but you can't say that to Frank. You'll break his heart.
7: He's got to listen to Colby Collet. She's beautiful, beautiful voice.
3: You're right. But you see, you got to understand, he's just been rejected by former Congressman Tulsi Gabbard, you know, with the white streaks in her hair now. The woman who eviscerated then Senator Harris in that Democratic debate—he so desperately wanted Tulsi Gabbard to come on his show, and she would never do it. So now, with his midlife crisis, he loves Selena Gomez.
7: Uh, well, Kobe yeah, I think even more pretty.
3: Ah, yep. But but look, he's already juggling here. I, I don't think we want to do this to Rachel. Must be quite the problem. You walk into their bedroom, and it's now posted ceiling sides with pictures of Selena Gomez, that will be quite the problem. And when he comes on from one to five, maybe he can explain that as Ricky Ricardo would be asked to by Lucille Bull. Hey, Ricardo, Ricky, explain that. I know that you don't know that not Betty Boop. Betty Grable, he had pictures of Betty Grable on his wall when he was at home being a mama mamalook like all Italian guys. You know, no, nobody could ever outdo Stephanie, his mother, hardworking mother. You know, makes the pasta makes the bed, you know, does everything for the Italian son. He never wants to leave. He always said, nobody could be better than my mother, Stephanie. But obviously Rachel has uh, betwixt him. Can you imagine walking into their bedroom and now there are pictures everywhere of Selena Gomez?
2: The great Selena Gomez.
3: (sighs) (sighs) Look, I've had enough marital problems in my own life. I got to keep her now, Nancy, but I had to go through a lot of trials and tribulations first. You think I should mentor Frank on this or should I break his heart and tell him you may love Selena Gomez, but she doesn't know who you are, nor care about you, even if you stand outside of that apartment building on the Upper West Side for the uh, program Only Murders in the Building. Check
1: this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC.
4: Come on, man. And with the
3: is the uh, theme song for the Michigash going up and off in the Bronx. Although I was the first to tell you who this enemy of society was, this uh, Vietnamese predator. The Daily News is now saying, oh, you know, the guy who sucker punched that Mexican guy outside of Fuego Tipico restaurant on a 118 Grand Concourse in the Bronx just four blocks from where i started the guardian angels when i was a night manager on east fordham in webster which is in the in the epicenter of just a crime crisis there back in 1979 i was the first to tell you during the uh, lunchtime edition at wabc right after o'reilly i think it was right on tuesday i told you it was a vietnamese guy who actually was employed as security By Fuego Tipico Restaurant. You haven't heard anybody say that yet. He actually worked at that restaurant. And when he put those gloves on, you saw it in that video that went viral. Those were lead line gloves. I actually announced that on the Fox News channel when I was with my, the rock-ripped, all-American conservative voice of reason from Franklin Square, Long Island, Sean Hannity. And I described, I said, look, he's putting on lead line gloves. That means he's the security guy. Nobody, no reporter has come up with that yet. He was hired off the books. Now the Daily News is saying he was a vicious predator, part of the Vietnamese gang Born to Kill, a deadly New York street gang founded by first generation Vietnamese immigrants in the 1980s. Where? I've never run across them. What are you guys going to the movies? What are you watching? Gerald Ford announced the last helicopter leaving. Our embassy in Saigon when Ho Chi Minh sent his T two Russian tanks in and we lost the Vietnam War. Where the hell did you get that from? By the way, he lived in a shelter just four blocks away. Again, I gotta take credit where credit is due, because even our news department didn't believe it. I said, Look, I'm telling you, he is residing in the help USA men shelter just four blocks away. Well, Curtis, we're gonna call the police and we're gonna ask for verification. Do you think they even know? This is our own crack news department. Well, we didn't hear it from DCPI. I said, you're not. Because they haven't done a deep dive. They want this case to go away. But that's where he was staying. Now, everybody, oh, yeah, he was in a homeless shelter. By the way, uh, Matt Blaze and Ken, hopefully you're not on Ambien again, and that brown-nosed producer of the Frank Morano show with his tuchus, God only knows how far his nose is up Frank's took his butt. You didn't hear that from anybody else, right? Nah, I didn't say about that. Is this guy legal? Oh, 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 my God, did I ask the question? Yeah, I'm asking the question because I can't get the information. Now, government can. And remember, for this crime, the cops at the 5-2 precinct Tell Parkway did the right thing. Mashula. I'm sorry, Mashula Parkway did the right thing. They charged him with attempted murder. And then the DA, who operates under the radar screen, because we only have eyes for Alvin Turnham-Loose-Bragg, right, the DA in Manhattan, that's all we ever talk about. I told you there are two others that are actually worse than him, and one of them is Darcell. Open up the jail cell, Clark, because we're not going to incarcerate Anybody in the Bronx. So the DA, and let me say her name again because nobody named and shamed her. Darcel Clark made the decision to lower the charges to a misdemeanor. This victim named Cortez, a Mexican immigrant, at this point, I'm not going to ask the question whether he's legal or illegal. He's the victim. He's on life support. He's in an I- uh, ICU. He's got blood on the brain. If he survives, he may be seriously impaired for the rest of his life. This idiot D.A., Darcel, opened up that jail cell, Clark, who had been a sitting judge before she was elected D.A. Well, obviously, had to be elected. You're a Democrat in the Bronx. You get elected to everything. Twelve years she was on the bench. Most of it, imagining criminal court in the Bronx. Think of how many crips she turned loose and how many... How many cops were in blue she busted their stones up? So she made this decision. And then the judge is there. The judge can say, no, that's, that's an absolute outrage. This guy nearly killed somebody. And the judge signed off on it. And this guy was released on what they called supervised release. I would love somebody out there to describe to me what supervised release is. That does not mean you're wearing an ankle bracelet from Fortune Ops. And let me tell you the trick. Those guys who do get stuck with an ankle bracelet, like remember Harvey remember Harvey Weinstein, he had an ankle bracelet. And when the Post was interviewing, they said, how come the ankle bracelet's on the wall? He said, well, I had to hitch my ankle. I thought you're not supposed to be able to take it off. Oh, it's so easy to take off an ankle bracelet. And then what you do, because you want to go to the liquor store, you want to hang out with your homies, you want to break curfew. You put it around the neck of a cat or a dog, and they're walking around the apartment, and those idiots at the parole office say, oh, yeah, he's safe and secure in his apartment. We can check that off. That's the oldest trick in the book. So they said he was on supervised release, which meant there is no such thing as supervised release, and the media never calls out the DAs. for What do you mean supervised release? Can you describe it? There's somebody outside the door, you know. Maybe one of the cops assigned to the uh, district attorney's office, the detectives. Of course not. It's nonsense. So then all of a sudden, crime wave Kathy Holcomb said, boy, I I might lose the election to Congressman Lee Zeldin on this. It's all over the front pages. It's gone viral. It's all over the world. I got to show that I'm tough, and I'm going to take a law and order stance.
0: I took action in my own hands. I directed the Department of Corrections and community supervision to immediately examine whether or not this parole violation occurred. Yes, it did. You could tell it occurred. This was a person on lifetime parole, and as of minutes ago, that person is now in custody. That is at my direction.
3: Hmm. Lifetime parole from the state of New York. What was he on lifetime parole for? Rape of a 17-year-old back in... uh... 1994, level three sex offender, worst category, and you mean to tell me that Darcel opened up the jail cell? Clark, the DA of the Bronx, who's worse than Alvin Bragg, uh, didn't know that. Uh, the judge didn't know that, and these are college educated. You know, they always oh, they're college educated. They went to law school. You know, they're so brilliant. Have you ever been in criminal court? I've been through criminal. I've been locked up 77 times. Let me tell you, the cream of the crop, you're not going to find in the DA's office or criminal court. No. These judges are all hacks appointed by Democratic leaders who basically say, how would you, uh, how do you think you'd look in black regal robes? But I really, I haven't studied law. Like Frank Sedio, guy who grew up on my block, became the Kings County (sighs) crooked leader. A guy named Vito Lopez, who was uh, in charge of Brooklyn, another crook. They're all crooks there. He made him a judge. The guy had been a cop. (laughs) He had never been to law school. They defrocked Frank Sedio. They said, Vito, you can't make him a judge. Why not? He was a cop. Yeah, yeah, he was a cop. We should elect him mayor. Oh, yeah, that's right, Eric Adams. You see what I mean? (laughs) Look at what a lousy job Eric Adams is. You imagine Frank said, you know, the guy who grew up on my black. He always told me, Curtis, I always had your back. You know, when the Lucchese boys, the Gambino guys were coming for I always had your back. I said, you know something, Frank? Every time I turned around, you were gone. You were gone. You, you did the bird. So understand this, ladies and gentlemen. These are not the top legal experts who end up in criminal court or the DA's office. And this Darcel, open up the jail cells, Clark, is the worst of the worst of the DAs. Worse than Alvin Brad. And then you got the other one, Eric Gonzalez in Brooklyn. Remember the name. He is the best friend of Eric Adams, who never names and shames any of these people because they're friends of Eric Adams. Here's Eric Gonzalez. You're in Brooklyn. All of a sudden, Ken, I don't know, you're in a drug-induced psychosis. And as a white boy, you figure, hey, I walk around Park Slope. I'll never get busted because I'm white. You know, my complexion is my protection. And maybe some cop falls on you and your 9mm fully loaded just ends up on the street. Do you know, white, black, or Hispanic, you got a loaded 9mm? You're not going to jail. And Eric Gonzalez as the district attorney, you're going into a diversion program. And you know what that means, white boy? Once a week, you come in a Red Hook. We're going to have a therapist there. We're going to give you two slices of pizza, some Coca-Cola. And we're going to ask you, please promise you'll never do it again. Of course, you're going to say, I cross my heart, hope to die. And they say, and guess what? In six months, we seal your record. Nobody knows about this. Welcome to New York City, fear city, crime city. Three DAs, all of them, like the three stooges. See no evil, speak no evil, hear no evil. Let me list them again. Alvin Bragg, Darcell, open up the jail cell Clark, and Eric Gonzalez. All of them friends of Eric Adams. You never hear him name and shame them. And by the way, Kathy Crimewave Hocker, let's give her a second chance to name and shame the Brooke, the Bronx DA responsible for this indiscretion. Darcell, open up that jail cell Clark.
0: My job is not done until I know that every single New Yorker feels safe. But they should feel safer knowing because of the direct action I just took that that person who harmed an innocent human being and put him struggling for life in a hospital, that that person is off the streets.
3: You know, if I'm laying up in my crib at home, you know, I'm a homeboy, I'm watching this on TV, you think this woman puts fear in my heart, right? You think I'm... Now, let me tell you something. When Rudy Giuliani, my combate chief, was mayor... Oh, they had fear of Rudy. Remember, they said, oh, it's Giuliani time. Giuliani time. Scatter. Drug dealers, clockers, anybody involved in the illicit uh, drug trade, man, they, sc- they just hear the name Giuliani. They had an X lax attack. And then look at Riker's Island. Close to 20,000 people were incarcerated when Rudy was elected and sworn in in 1993 and gave our city a badly needed Kalani. And who did he end up appointing later, about a few months later? to run the jail system, Bernard Carey. They had the barge in Hunts Point. They had Rikers Island. They had the tombs downtown. They had the Queen's House of Correction. It was just being shut. Brooklyn House. Bronx House had already been shut. How do I know? Because I was locked up in all of them. Bernie Kerry comes in. None of these problems. None of these problems. And you know what they did? To show you how the thugs and thuggets were afraid of Rudy Giuliani, if you were given a CEO a screw, a correctional officer, a hard time on the rock, they said, hey, give us your Timbaland, give us your Nikes, give us those uh, those that footwear you got on, because you're going to be wearing Skippies. And they had Skippies, and they painted it with fluorescent orange paint that glowed in the dark. So here it is. You're the leader of the Bloods, the Crips, uh, the Nietas, the Latin Kings, the Trinitarios. And you're walking around like that, and the guy's say, hey, man, you're weak, you're soft. Junianni Land! The homies were afraid of Rudy. You think those homies are afraid of Kathy Crime Wave Hulker? They look at her and say, Well, she reminds me of my grandma. God. Anyway, let's go to the phones. Because uh, I told you first. But I'm not going to get any credit. And by the way, Daily News, please—you insult us. He's a member of Born to Kill, that deadly New York street gang founded by first-generation Vietnamese immigrants in the 1980s. Yeah, I see him all the time. Born to Kill. Uh, what is that? A, is that a, a Steven Seagal movie? Right. I hate Steven Seagal, but I mean, Born to Kill, really? You, you, the Daily News—you insult me. Anyway, let's go to the phones, and it's uh, oh, it's Greg calling from the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here, at WABC, Greg. Hey, how
6: are you doing, Curtis?
3: How do you think I'm doing, Greg?
6: Well, hey, you know what's funny? You and I grew up together. You went, you were in the Boy Scout Pack 340 on once at, 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 at the PS 167 on Eastern
3: Parkway, right? Greg. I was never a Cub Scout or Boy Scout, never, ever, ever. I would not wear those shorts like the Cub Scout Masters and Boy Scout Masters, the <laughs> older guys. No way would I be wearing shorts like that.
6: But you know what's funny? I grew up on Lincoln Place, Unica Utica, Rochester, St. Matthews Church. Remember the Caesar brothers?
3: Yeah, because I went to that school from Canarsie, but I'm telling you, I was not a Cub Scout I was not a Boy Scout, <laughs> and if you know my history, I was certainly not an Eagle Scout. That's for sure.
6: But let me ask him: Were you ever in pac three uh, hundred and forty?
3: Say that again, please.
6: Were you, you? You said you were never a Boy Scout, correct? And you were never at one hundred and sixty-seven, correct? The high school, the junior high school I went to, right?
3: Right. I went yeah. to uh, Builder C. Junior High School in Kenosha after I left St. Matthews. Uh, in Crown Heights, where you were, right. Lincoln Place, uh, Utica yeah. Avenue, the right
6: distance, where East. it was a Chase Manhattan
3: Bank. You, yeah. You, you, know,
6: you know, remember years ago,
3: Greg, was a Greg, 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 Greg. Right this is what I want to say Saddam Hussein had a body double, Vladimir Putin had a body double, and you must have been so drunk that you thought there was another Curtis Sleaver. Never would I be a Cub Scout, Boy Scout, or Eagle Scout. First of all, they wouldn't accept me. Because back then, if I lit a fire, right, made a fire, you know, they might think I was a pyromaniac you know, or an arsonist. Like uh, Mario Fata Bruta, Fata Bruta Como, his uh, father-in-law, Rafa. Never tell you the time he burnt down that key food in East New York, Right. An arsonist. And the fire marshals came and said, uh, we got to lock this guy up. And they went to the nearby hospital because the schmuck, the putz, decided to do the job for himself. He didn't want to pay the Tomahawks or the Jolly Stompers. The gang didn't want to pay the local Lucases. He wanted to do the job himself, torch uh, the key food. And guess who was standing at his <clears throat> at his door as he was convalescing from all the burns that the idiot had from pouring the gasoline in the vent and then falling off the ladder and breaking his hip at the hospital. It was the brand-new graduated lawyer, Andrew Evilice Cuomo, telling the fire marshals, you got papers? No. Then get the hell out of here. Nobody's talking to my grandfather. Nobody. You see, this is what you learn in the streets. This is why. I know where all the bones are buried and who buried it. Anybody ever asked the Cuomos about to- Oh, come on, Curtis. You're exaggerating. No, I was in that neighborhood. Everybody knew. And then the call of the 69th Precinct, Sergeant Pepitone by Mario Fachapruta Cuomo, King Cuomo I, who was governor at the time. Hey, Pepitone, you think he could fix that up? Take the car, clean it up, get the get the smell of gasoline out of that car, man. <laughs> clean it up. Pepitone, you know how to make it go away. Ah! You learned something when you listen to Curtis Sliwa. Dominic Carter would have a heart attack. He said, oh my God! Well, I'm not going to say that. He's on from twelve to one. Right after the animal welfare. Hour. Oh boy, we got great news for you on the front of the horse-drawn carriages. And remember, I said that I would go to jail to rescue this dog that was in the street on Reed Street, right near City Hall. That was being strangled by this emotionally disturbed person and homeless person. I didn't have to do it. Other people did it, but we're going to give them props tonight because they extricated the dog. The dog is free! 11 to 12. You don't want to miss it. And then the mama Lu comes in, you know, he's opining for Serena. Serena Gomez. Oh, God. This is like his midlife crisis. I can't understand this. The
2: great Serena Gomez.
3: What is wrong with this guy? Anyway, let's go to Lou's calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Lou. Hey, Curtis, how you doing? How do you think I'm doing, Lou? I think you're doing wonderful.
4: I I have a question for you. Let's say you were the mayor of New York City right now. What would you do with all these people who Governor Abbott sent to New York City?
3: What, what, would, what would Curtis Lee would do? That's what I want to know. Well, number one, uh, we would still be by law a sanctuary city because the city council is not going to amend that. We've been a sanctuary city since Ed Koch was mayor, long before even George Pataki was governor, long before El Jefe Chris Christie was governor. We have been sanctuary states and cities going back to the 70s. So then what you got to do is say, "Okay, Greg. Well, what what do you want to get out of this? Now you're sending. I'm not going to appear there. I'm not going to have a press conference. I'm not going to give you an opportunity to make your points. What can we do for you, Greg? Because I've been down at the border, Lou. I've I've been there. I've been in uh, Nueva Nuevo, excuse me, Nuevo Laredo, which is the Mexican side of Laredo where the Rio Grande runs. I've been in El Paso. The other side is uh, Juarez. Uh, I've been on both sides. I see the difficulty that the states have, California, Arizona, New Mexico, and especially Texas with all the illegals coming across. How can I help you, Greg? And I'll bet you less buses would be sent here. If you reached out in solidarity and said, I know what you're going through, Greg, what can I do to use whatever influence I have with Papa Chulo there in the basement in the White House to try to get his attention to deal with the border?
4: Right, no, I understand what you're saying, Curtis. I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying, like once they're here already, right? Once Adams and Hochul couldn't do what you could have done, once they're here already, so now what are you gonna do with them? Just, just shoot them? Like,
6: like you can't do no, that. No,
4: of course right? you
3: don't so, so, shoot them. You don't
4: shoot right, them. Right. So then, what, what then, what, what can you do? You know, I mean, you seem to be blaming Hochul and Adams for not for, for putting them up in hotels or whatever. What, what do you do once they're here already?
3: Hotels. You think they deserve to be put up in hotels, Lou? wants so to hear what do you do that's no no, no 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 lou right. you you said that i would not put them up in hotels are you out of your mind do you well, know what's not. gonna I'm happen asking. Lou? Do you schmuck pots they're gonna take sellies with the cell phones we just gave them with taxpayer dollars back to their country of origin and everybody's gonna say oh my god five-star top shelf hotel we're going to new york are you not Lou? No, no, I, I agree you look at them cell phones
4: no way no way to cell phones all i'm right, just asking we right, right, Where you put down.
3: them let me copy. You're yeah, good. Go, okay, well, you brought us back. You brought us back to reality. Well, first off, I'm looking out to all this empty space, office space. You know, there's a guy who owns the Hudson Yards who I hate. His name is Ross. He owns the Miami Dolphins. He owns Soul Cycle. He owns Equinox. I hate him with a passion. It is empty, and it's right next to CNN. I would send them all into the Hudson Yards and say, hey, Ross, CNN, you want them? You take care of them. How about that, Lou?
4: No, I listen, I hear that. that. That sounds like a good meaning, but I'm just, I just want to clarify. That's I, your I, problem I, I, with Hoekle and Adam.
3: Uh, uh, That's uh, your problem. No, no, that. I have. Being, I have, Lou, I got a lot of problems with both of them. <laughs> it's just one of many. Hey, 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 Ross, come here, Ross. I really hate you. You're so rich. You're so full of yourself. You got mausoleums there now. We're going to turn it into storage units. So you like the illegals, huh? Yeah, sure. Cheap labor. That's right. Just like you rich folks. Yeah, I love illegals. Yeah, like you always did. You got CNN right there. It's like the only thing left. What did they they close their anchor store over there? Newman's or whatever they had it there. They closed. It's a ghost town. Why don't you house all the illegals, huh? You're a billionaire, huh? You take care of them. You want them. You take care of them. CNN, have all their hosts and hostesses go and take care of them right there in the Hudson Yards. What do you think they would say? What do you think CNN would say? Oh, well, you know, we're a Fortune 500 corporation. We have to answer to our stockholders. Uh, We're not government. We're not a social service organization. What do you think Ross would say, right? Right who has made every bad decision to destroy our city. What's that? Hudson Yards over there, right? And it's still building. What are you going to do? Have mausoleums over there? Hey, hey, hey. Think of it, Matt. Your, your family dies. Why why schlep out to a cemetery? You could have air-conditioned mausoleums in all these empty apartment buildings, right? And office buildings, right? That or more storage units for people like me who are clutterers. I mean, that's what we did to all the empty factories in the 70s. We turned them in to uh, storage units. You see them everywhere. Convince Americans that they need to be more clutter, more storage. What would I do? God. I wanted to strangle them there. But then then he said, don't give them phones. Don't give them Obama phones. Oh, thank God. Oh, boy. Let's go, if we can, to... um Shelly, who's calling from Long Island, uh, now that I'm cool, calm, and collected again, Shelly.
0: Salutations, Curtis. I was praying for you because I used to live in Greenwich Village half the week, and I was uh, listening last night. I had Zep 4 in my 1980 Saab. I had four cassettes that were stolen back-to-back from my friends out of my car at some point in high school. Anyway, I'm a teacher of public, private Catholic schools, and I'm a mom of Irish triplet sons. Went through a divorce that took 10 years, cost 900000 on my end. And when I was still in the marital residence, I uh, had to approve a residency for a school district, a city school district. I tried three times to register with with a Supreme Court order, printed out, and they still gave me grief. But my ex-husband was able to register at a top public school, a more desirable one, and a Catholic school without my signature. And then when I won custody, finally, after the horrible litigation, I went to a new district, a new house,
3: and my three sons were very happy, all over six-foot superstar athlete. Ask Curtis, you know, you think I could deal with domestic issues? I've been I've been a hot mess in my own life. Here's Shelly going to ask me, you know, what should I do? <laughs> the last person in the world you ask about domestic relationships is Curtis Sliwa. You know, maybe I'll be like... Uh, Oh, I'll never forget it. at that time, Dr. Laura, Dr. Curtis. Yeah. I'll be like Michael Savage, Dr. Savage. What are you a doctor of, right? You're a doctor. It's like Dr. Biden. Dr. what? Dr. Doctor Curtis. He called me up with all the problems. Boy, talk about a screwball. That was Dr. Laura. What a screwball she was. But I'm like uh, just about there. You know, I'm, it's a very fine line between being talented and being... A crazy person, and I think I'm more on the side of the crazy person than a talented person, although from time to time there are those those moments as our friend from Pennsylvania indicated, but most of the time I'm crazy, so Shelley is still talking, and she's telling herself all the problems that she's gone through, and it's already therapeutic to her because she thinks she's talking to dr. Slewa you know dr Phil he's a waste right doctor come on guy's full of himself dr phil who are you doctor i remember seeing him one time in a green room um dr phil so what what kind of a doctor are you you're on tv you give all the wrong kind of advice to people you exploit pain and suffering and tragedy to get ratings he said don't be so hostile towards me curtis i don't like you because you graduated from the oprah winfrey academy huh you're going to hold that against me, Curtis? Yes. Because Oprah kicked me off for a show. Did I ever tell you? There we were in Chicago. Myself, the guardian angels from Chicago. We were on the stage just when Oprah was in Chicago. Before that, she loved me. And then this black gangster disciple calls me out on the stage. And she wants me peace, love, and happiness. Maybe you could you could understand their pain. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them pain compliance right here. Knock them out. I was never invited back to the Oprah Winfrey show, as you can imagine. Curtis, I didn't think you would do something like that. This is survival, Oprah, you know. This is survival. 1-800-848-9222. WABC.
1: He knows New York, he is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Leewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Oh, 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 oh.
3: It should be my theme song, right? Whenever anybody calls up, right? How you doing? And then the other host and hostess. No, how you doing? How's the wife and kids? Oh, I don't know. I I love Mark Levin. He gets into a rage. He almost pops blood corpuscles, right? And then people say, how you doing, Mark? Oh, I'm doing great. Right after this diatribe, right? Not me. How do you think I'm doing I've had better days. My city is falling apart. Everywhere I look, I'm seeing. I'm seeing my neighbors leave in mass. The same callers I've had now, instead of them calling from Bensonhurst and Mid Island and Staten Island and Bayside, they're calling from Sarasota, Florida, Athens, Georgia, Arlington, Virginia. It's the same callers. They've escaped. How do you think I'm doing? I'm And what I want all of you to do is we got to make a difference for cops who are under attack. I am so disappointed in the PBA, Pat Lynch and all the PBAs because they have left these two NYPD female officers out to dry. Or maybe they don't even know what's going on. Maybe I'm just ahead of the curve on so many things. Get a pad and pen, write this down. Hey, if you got your cell phone, iPhone, you got your smart pad, whatever you got, write this information down because we cannot allow this to happen. Two NYPD officers, females, in Queens have been stripped of their guns and shields in the aftermath of a deadly crash involving a stolen ATV that was being driven by a guy who was charged by Darcell opened up the jail cell's Clark in the Bronx with attempted murder. And then she released this animal into the streets. Can you believe this? We've got two female police officers who are hanging by a thread in terms of maintaining their career. And I'm sure they love police work. Nikitas Janios. And Myra Cardona Quintero of the 108th Precinct were placed on modified duty. And the expectation is that they will be fired by the missing in action police commissioner, Sewell. Now, supposedly they're investigating why they were chasing this ATV that was stolen, that was being driven by a guy who was out for attempted murder from the Bronx by Darcell, open up the jail cell, Clark, the DA there. And they took all kinds of maneuvers. They went down the side streets. They cut him off. And then he ends up going up the wrong street at one fifty in the morning in Long Island City off Jackson Avenue and crashes into an 18-wheel tractor trailer and dies. Oh. Where's the wake? Where's the funeral? I really feel for the guy. He's out on an attempted murder charge. He steals an ATV. He's driving crazy through the streets, endangering others. And these two police officers, and let me be honest with you, they've been told, do not chase dirt bikes, ATVs, or quads. Let them be modern-day barbarians, just taking over control of our five boroughs. And these two women said, we're not going to let him do this. Look at how he's driving. He's driving up on the sidewalks. He's driving the wrong way down the streets. He's going to end up killing somebody. Little did they know who he was. Angel Lopez from the Bronx. Records show that Lopez was arrested in the Bronx in April on an attempted murder charge and released. And he has prior arrest for robbery. There was another ATV that was stolen. Another Gabon was on his ATV side by side. His name was James Hendrickson. When uh, his degenerate pal crashed into that 18-wheel tractor trailer killing himself, he did the bird. He didn't even stay around. He didn't call 911. He came back later, and the cops say, oh, yeah, we held him, but we released him. He has some outstanding warrants. But they wouldn't specify what the warrant was for. Now, you know what's going to happen. They're going to make examples of these two female police officers. They're going to wash them out of the police department, probably a police department that they love. And uh, now you know why we see these marauders going up and down the streets. All five boroughs, you see them, ATVs, quads, dirt bikes. so what the hell are you doing on the street with a dirt bike? Many of them, most of them, stolen. They don't have any registration. They don't have any licenses. And the cops cannot do anything. In fact, recently, about a month ago, you may have remembered, Matt Place, I was going crazy right here in the studios in the afternoon because I saw these marauders, these barbarians, 400 going up the streets, down the streets, even Greg Kelly, the next day, which is a totally different part of town, saw them and described them on the air. And I walked into the 19th precinct after the show, and I said, guys, I said, Curtis, we know why you're here. And they looked down, and they say, we're not permitted to follow them, chase them, or arrest them. This goes back to uh, orders issued by Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, who had Dermot Shea, his lapdog police commissioner, who rendered the police impotent, reactive, not proactive. And Eric Adams, the swagger man, de Blasio 2.0, has done nothing to change it. And the police commissioner, has anybody seen the police commissioner? Hey, where is she? I'm all over the city. I haven't seen her one time. I go into precincts all the time. I go into transit police precincts. I go into PSAs, which is where the housing police are housed. I said, hey, when's the last time you saw the new police commissioner? Curtis, don't ask us that question, please. I said, is she really? Is she a placebo? You know who's really calling the shots? Phil Banks, you know, the deputy mayor for public safety. I said, oh. I get it. Okay, guys, gals. We must collectively do something for these two police officers, Nikitas Janios and Myra cardona Quintero of the 108th Precinct. Now, a lot of you guys will call up and you say, I just saw a four-foot-six woman cop. What the hell is she going to do? These women bravely went where most cops are forbidden to go. And now they've taken their shield they've taken their gun who's going to stand for them they stood for us i'm going to stand with them i'm going to do the deep dive on this because this is important this is the power of radio this is the extension of national radio day that we should have been celebrating yesterday and i've extended it to an additional day all day today sunday the power of radio we can change this ladies and gentlemen You know where this story was? Page 36, the Daily News on Sunday. You didn't see it or hear about it anywhere else. I got a tip that this had happened. Luckily, this gave me a lot of the details because when I called the 108th Precinct, Curtis, don't ask about that. What do you mean? No. Sorry, we can't answer. I'm coming at you guys out there in the NYPD, DCPI, Deputy Mayors, Public Safety, Phil Banks, Police commissioner missing in action. See, well, you better keep these cops on the job because this is what we need more cops to be like. And speaking of maniacs on the road, do as I say, not as I do. That's what our politicians are. And, you know, rarely, if ever, do we come in New Jersey. We really don't. And we should, because per capita, per person, I've been telling the suits, the mockers, the muckety-mucks here, They are the most dedicated listeners, and it's been that way ever since the King of Talk Radio was living in Manalapan, Bob Grant, and doing his broadcasts in the afternoons. Every time I'd go out there, the Rio Diner in Woodbridge, other locations, Bob Grant would have a public gathering. Thousands of people would be there, thousands. I know, I'm in Jersey all the time. People love WABC, but we don't service them because we're so New York-centric. Oh, we got to talk about New York. We got to talk about Long Island. We got to talk about the Mid Hudson Valley. Mid Hudson Valley—that's like trying to reach for your uh, your uh, <laughs> your solar plexus. Look at this: we have a Jersey City councilwoman, Amy DeGies. She's elected at large, which means the whole city elects her. And you know what she did? And I haven't heard it mentioned here, maybe once or twice. It's absolutely mind-boggling what she did as an elected official in Jersey City with big political connections. I mean, El Grande connections. She blew through a light. She hit this guy on a bike. He must have flew like a a 100 feet in the air. And she kept going. And she did it, Ted Kennedy. She didn't come back at all. For like hours and hours she was away. This was a hit and run. This is a city council person in Jersey City. Fled the scene of a crash, waited six hours to report it. And then all of a sudden, she wasn't even cited for failure to report an accident and leaving the scene of the accident. It had to be pressure. And the other day, she was before 300 people who had a special city council hearing. And they said, Man, you got to resign. You got to resign. You did a Ted Kennedy. She says, I don't have to resign do you know who my father is? And they said, "Uh uh-oh, she's got the juice. You know who her father is? He's the head of the Bergen County corrupt, excuse me, Hudson County corrupt Democratic machine, of which she is a member. And half in the bag, Murphy, right? You know, it's always, you knucklehead, you knucklehead, you should be fired, you should be fired. Oh, no, he's such a good guy. I'm sure she just made a mistake. Remember the name, and remember when a double standard is in full effect. Her father, Hudson County Executive, the crook, Tom DeGees, has put the fix in. Is anybody complaining about this other than in Jersey City? Where's Mayor Fulop? guy who thinks he's going to be the next governor of New Jersey over my dead body. And you know what his credit is? Oh, he's a graduate of Goldmine Sachs. Oh, you did real good with Corazine and real good with half-in-the-bag Murphy. You're going to elect another alumni member of Goldmine Sachs? Maybe he'll call you knuckleheads, too. What's going to happen to this city councilwoman? What's going to happen to Digi's? She thinks she can write it out. Are you going to let her write it out? Of course you are, because you're not going to rock the boat. And that brings us to New York City, where we have speed cameras and red cameras going 24-7, 365. Thank God in New Jersey, 2014, they did away with the speed cameras and the red light cameras because the court said to Shamu, El Hefe Chris Christie, that doesn't prevent accidents. It creates more accidents, and the only reason you put them up was to collect revenue. And they didn't have an argument, so guess what? There are no speed cameras. No red light cameras. How come we have them, like, on every corner? And the city council's transportation chair here in New York City never trusts anybody with three names. Salvina Brooks Powers has been busted speeding 17 times in 11 months. 17 times. Reckless driving. And she's in charge of all that. Now... I would say if you look at the nuances of the law, there's the dangerous vehicle abatement program, which means you send a tow truck there and you take her vehicle to the pound. But she's been given an exemption. Why? Because do as I say, not as I do. Only the little people pay speeding tickets and parking tickets and have their licenses revoked and have their privilege to be able to uh, drive revoked. Not us. And then, you know, our city controller, Brad Lander, socialist, he was the one touting, oh, we need more speed cameras. We need more red light cameras. He's had 118 vehicle and traffic violations since 2013. (laughs) 118 vehicle and traffic violations since 2013. And he goes, well, you know, I don't. Now I have a police officer who drives me around everywhere. You provided me suckers with an SUV because I'm the city controller. I don't have to drive anymore. It doesn't matter. He's got the private car. It's dangerous vehicle abatement. Send the police tow truck, impound his vehicle, and have him take a driver's safety course. That's all part of it. How come only the little people do that? And all the biggest fish. <laughs> My nemesis in the mayoral election, uh, Eric Adams. He got 15 camera tickets for reckless driving since 2019. Fifteen! In school areas, bam! Right through the speed bumps. The city speed camera only issues a ticket if the driver is exceeding the posted speed limit by 11 or more miles. That was the old rule. Now if it's a mile over, bam! They hit you with a ticket. And so he did the rope-a-dope. You know, he said, well, that really wasn't my car. I think he should be forced to produce his private car. He doesn't drive anymore. You know, he's taken around from place to place by police in an SUV that we, the sucker taxpayers, pay for. But I want to know if he's paid off these 15 camera tickets in which he was like Speed Racer. And notice who imposed all the additional speed cameras, red light cameras, and now they operate 24-7, 365. And let's be honest, where did they put them? In neighborhoods where they know your checks won't bounce. Need I say anything more? Highland Boulevard, Woodhaven, Cross Bay Boulevard, schmucks. You not only pay taxes. They not only raise the fees and the fines on everything. They're not only going to put congestion tax over your head. $9 to $23. They have all these freaking speed cameras and red light cameras that they don't pay. That they don't have their cars impounded. That they aren't subject to the dangerous vehicle abatement program where their personal car is impounded and they have to take a driver's safety course. And you see, it doesn't differ. The Hudson River may separate us, but that's why I don't trust any politicians. It's all about I and me, not us and we.
2: W.A.B.C.
3: Mama Luke's from the Frank Morano crew. Matt Blaze, clearly a uh, fugitive seeking to flee justice. Ken, man who's always on Ambien. And Alex with your nose so deep up Frank Morano's cookies that I can barely hear you mumbling. Producer of The Other Side of Midnight. There are $500 million of tickets parking tickets that have not been paid in New York City, $500 million. So all the major corporations, uh, they get screwed and constantly get ticketed because they got to unload their goods. they got to make deliveries. People in government, they don't care about business. So they go in, and if they're a major corporation, they'll pay $0.10 cents on a dollar, and they'll negotiate bundles, bundles, bundles. But if you're an average, everyday person, you're screwed. How many times have you seen that plays? They'll say, Oh, you know, at the restaurant tonight, the judge, he's got the main seat here. They say, I know that guy, he's a traffic judge. He doesn't even wear black regal robes. What are you putting him at the main? He's a judge. I, you know, I never know, maybe he can fix my tickets. So. Lots of people are having their tickets fixed in New York City. But guess what? If you're the little people, like Leona Helmsley said, only little people pay taxes and fees and fines. And if not, we take your house. We take your property. We take your dog. We take your wife. We take your kids. And yes, eventually we'll come and take your guns too. Well... UPS drivers, right, the brownies, you know, they wear all brown. In fact, if they were out there today with the illegal aliens getting all that free stuff, the illegals would have run because that's exactly the kind of uniform that Le Migre, Immigration and Naturalization Service, ICE wears, the brown uniforms. But now the drivers are saying that the brutal heat is endangering their lives and they don't want to drive those brown trucks anymore. This is the problem in America today. They wear those shorts. I, I hate people who wear shorts. I'm obsessed with that. Cub Scout uh, leaders, you know, uh, Boy Scout leaders. They're guys like 52 years old. Their their bellies are hanging over their belt, and they're wearing those stupid shorts. UPS drivers, right? And guys they're wearing the shorts. Cops, I hate it when I see a cop with. Come on, man. Man up. Woman up. So anyway, UPS drivers are saying that the brutal heat is endangering their lives and they want air conditioning. That's the only thing we haven't given the illegals, right? Guaranteed air conditioning. You know, Frank Morano is like the last survivor, the last person who looks forward to sending mail with a good old-fashioned postage stamp on it. Not junk man. real mail. Frank will sit down and handwrite a note just for the pleasure of being able to send it across town with a postage stamp that he licks. Old school. It's better than sex for him. Well, let me conjure up the old the old uh, axiom of the United States Postal Service. Even you guys, members of the Frank Marano crew, the Mama Luke, you probably remember walking into your post office, as I did as a kid, and that's where we always learned who public enemy number one was, right in the post office. That's where the FBI forever busting Italians at that time later changed the acronym to forever busting Islamists after 9-11. But that's where you would go and you see Whitey Bolger or Osama bin Laden, whoever was public enemy number one. And then on the side, it would say, neither snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom of night stays these couriers from the swift completion of their appointed rounds. And the moment I read that on the wall and then I looked in the back room and saw them all sitting down like gold bricks, you know, no-show jobs blessing the bundles as it went by on the assembly line, I knew, too, that that was false propaganda. The age of Camelot, false propaganda. And now UPS drivers saying the brutal heat is endangering their lives. How how are we going to get all the packages around now that you've closed all the mom-and-pop shops, right? That's right, Amazon. I hate you, Jeff Bezos, for destroying all those mom-and-pop shops out there. Oh, so you'll be the only one delivering packages, right? We got to go to you, Jeff Bezos, and help pay for your $500 million yacht. And now he's complaining about the FBI. Jack Bezos, right? Complain. Oh, the FBI is giving me a problem. They're all saying that now. Oh, uh, Angelina Jolie in a continued battles with Brad Pitt, right? Oh, the FBI is, is against me. Notice how they're all coming out against Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. and the FBI. Remember that great TV series when we were kids? I gotta dedicate one of my programs to the FBI because I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, I ever tell you, Matt Blaze, there they were, the FBI agents, sitting around a table downtown. They had a confidential informer in the ranks of the Gambino crime family who told them four years after my kidnapping and attempted murder on the orders of John Gotti Sr., John Gotti Jr., and the Gambino crime family that they knew who did it and they could have arrested John Gotti Jr. No statute of limitation, triple life without parole. And the FBI looked at one another and they said, we're going to give up a confidential informer for that big mouth. That guy who says that FBI stands for forever busting Italians. (laughs) Not. Oh, yeah, I'm joining the crew. You got Rudy. He's on the jockstrap of the FBI. You got Trump. You got Angelina Jolie. You got Jeff Bezos. It's pylon time, right? It's okay. We can't do that tonight, but... We're going to do an extensive analysis of the FBI. I love people say, oh, you know, it was much better years ago. Yeah, with J. Edgar Hoover in a dress, 50 years, a totalitarian dictator. Presidents were afraid of him. He set people up. And then he had his boy toys, second in charge of the FBI. They go over to the track in Arlington. They'd be playing the ponies, the racists, thinking they were winning. And it was Frank Costello, the head of organized crime, that was fixing all the races. And then what did uh, Ted Hoover come out and say? There's no such thing as organized crime. You think now is worse than then? You're delusional. Delusional!
1: W.A.B.C. Check this
2: out.
1: No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis and You can't compete against that. On 77 WABC.
3: Uh, this is like torture.
0: I had a dream We were
2: sipping
3: whiskey This is bubblegum music I hated Justin Bieber Biber when he was with her I wanted him deported to Canada And now is stuck with Selena Gomez And like a little puppy dog Frank Murano In a midlife crisis Is opining For Selena Gomez
2: The great Selena Gomez Who I am uh, uh, now, a fan of. I, I don't know, do the Selena Gomez fans have a name? Are we Selena or something? Or Gomez Heads or Gomezites? Is there a name? And are there, are there meetings that I could show up at? Is there a fan club that I can join? Uh, I uh, became a fan of Selena Gomez because of her acting, but she has won me over with her music and her advocacy for organ donation and things of that nature you have any idea, Matt, what the Selena-holics are called, if anything?
5: I don't think they're called anything, but I'm thinking maybe you should come up with that.
2: I I don't feel like it's my place. I feel like I'm the low man on the Selena Gomez totem pole. I need to pay my dues in the Selena Gomez fandom community and work my way up to maybe four or five years being in a position to offer names for for things.
3: So... He's enamored with Selena Gomez's midlife crisis because she supports organ donation. I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to believe it. That's what he tells his wife, Rachel, right? This uh, Mama Luke was standing outside of the building where they film only murders in the building. Steve Martin, Martin Short. My wife watches that on Hulu. It's right down the block from us. It's right on West 86th Street between Broadway and Amsterdam. I hate that show, and I really hate Selena Gomez. And Frank Morales stands out there like like a little, like a little girly man. Selena! Selena, here I am. I, was, I, wa- I, wa- I wanted to be at your 30th birthday party the other day. Man up, Frank! God Most men have a midlife crisis. You know, they want a muscle car. Frank wants to be a groupie for Selena Gomez.
5: Over the course of human history, there's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind, St. Francis of Assisi, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals, and Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and man. And
1: beast, <laughs> the Curtis Sliwa show presents Curtis's Arc with Nancy Slewa from bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Slewa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Wow,
3: we're gonna have to amend that. Chris Libertini, so politically incorrect. <laughs> Curtis Lee, we're protecting men and beasts. What about women and non-binary people too? <laughs> you know, I mean, you heard that, right, Nancy? I did hear that. Yes. Because that's the sexist and misogynist that Chris libertini is.
9: And actually, that's only one thing, man and beast. So.
3: That's right. And can you imagine that? And he didn't even mention non-binary. Well, for that, if I hope with your permission, of course. Uh, I want him to do all seventy-two terms that refer to ones sexuality and gender. Now, you know, amongst um, your generation, I think your generation, because I still don't know how old you are. The hipsters and millennials.
9: No, I think if you if you did that with all of Noah's Ark, we would have no time to talk.
3: That's true, and it'll be all talk time for Chris Libertini. I'll take care of him, but we had a number of stories taking place this week involving animal welfare at all different levels. And as I have oftentimes told our many listeners, because this is the most listened to, most interactive portion of the many hours that I do at WABC and the most called-in portion, that at times we don't just talk about animal welfare news and give advice and try to help people with their needs. But sometimes we're actively, uh, proactively engaged. And there was one story I spoke about during the lunchtime edition, uh, in which I'm on Monday through Fridays after O'Reilly. He's on from 12 to 12.15. And then I'm on from 12.15 to 1 o'clock, in which I was talking about a dog, Uh, who uh, an emotionally disturbed person had on Reed Street. Uh, You've been directly involved with all of that uh, with a lot of other helpers. Can you get us up to speed on that?
9: Sure. So, uh, you know, this dog was, um, you know, uh, had abuse uh, going on toward it. So a number of people had, uh, you know, come forward to relay stories uh, regarding that. And then... Uh, you know, when I initially went down to the area just to sort of assess the situation uh that was confirmed by a number of other people as well and you know what I was witnessing with this man who clearly needs help and and actually, I also tried to get him help, but uh they they uh you know they came they saw him for a few minutes and said he was okay, he was fine, living the way that he was living um but he was. You know, uh, had this dog by uh, basically like a choker type leash, and uh, wasn't permitting the dog to you know move about or stand. Like the dog couldn't access anything in terms of uh, trying to get uh, food or water. I think there was a uh, uh, people like as they were coming by, you know, were trying to offer stuff. But again, he was just very, um, you know, he's sticking his hands in the dog's mouth. The dog's standing. He's pulling it by the leg. I mean, you know, so this dog was in a, in a bad condition. So, uh, you know, uh, yesterday I was in the area, too, because, you know, this is a a spot where there's not a lot of traffic during the weekend at all. So most of the people who would uh, otherwise be able to, you know, come down and sort of monitor the situation regularly, like he's by himself. So I wanted to see, okay, what's going on yesterday with him. And it was a very hot day, too. And it was, you know, after a little while, there was a a young man who came up and, and started talking to him and he was talking for a while and then i saw this you know young man leave and he was walking with the dog so i immediately just made a, a beeline to him to see like what had just happened and it was a really uh incredibly nice young man who is also homeless living on the streets who had seen what this uh edp had been doing to the dog and because he had you know befriended him in this way he was able to get him to give him the dog, which was just amazing. And I told him about, you know, yeah, we we were trying to help this dog and get the dog, you know, to the vet. And he was so happy. It was, I said, it was just fantastic that everything just came together. So, so wonderfully well. So now the dog has uh, the dog's inside. It's in, it's out of foster right now. So obviously the dog's not, uh, you know, going to be brought to a shelter, And the dog's uh, been to the veterinarian. So, you know, just making sure that uh, this dog is okay. But, you know, just a a really uh, horrible situation. And, you know, when initially uh, the dog was rescued yesterday, you know, it appeared to be already in, like, sort of a... Besides being, you know, dehydrated and emaciated, it had, you know, a number of uh, cuts on its legs. And it was struggling to, you know, uh, do its business. So... You know the concern is obviously you want to make sure you don't have an infection. I mean things that can really go south very quickly. So it was. Just, I mean it's just such a great happy uh, resolution to this situation. And unfortunately the man is still on the street without any assistance.
3: Yeah, well that's just three blocks from City Hall on Reed Street off of Church Street and Broadway. Um, and yet this guy was out there, easy to see uh, when we were there. The one night I was there, he had the dog in it chokehold almost, Yeah. in well. order to prevent the dog from even moving because he had him on a leash. Uh I wanted to just take the dog right there, and everybody said, no, 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 Carlos, calm down, you're going to get arrested. I said, ah, so it'll be the 78th time, big deal. But cops had passed by, all kinds of people had passed by, and it just shows you how impotent our society is, that everybody who could have did uh, something did nothing, you know, who was at a... Uh, civil level involving government because they're just too afraid to make a decision that just has common sense. This, this dog was suffering in the street, suffering.
9: Yeah. And, and again, it was in uh, like this sort of tipping point situation where obviously now the dog's been on the street for, you know, in this heat wave for a while and, you know, he doesn't have any access to any food or water on a consistent level aside from what people are giving and actually, at one point when we were there that first uh, that first time to just assess, uh, I went up with a woman. I saw a woman talking to him. So a woman who works in the area had also noticed this as well, and she had been uh, periodically bringing, you know, food for the dog. And what this man says when she's giving the food to the dog, it's like, she, you know, letting it know you have to release the, the chain so the dog can eat. Because like you said, he's just totally smothering this dog. And he said oh, if you give the dog food, it's just going to eat. <laughs> like, that's his thinking. So, I mean, again, it's it's almost like he was trying to limit the amount of food this dog had. So, I mean, just a really, really, really bad situation.
3: And, again, three blocks from City Hall, every conceivable agency of city government is in the area, so they had to pass, they had to see, they had to be, uh, people had to be talking to them. Hey, Joe, hey, Sally, can we do anything Look at this dog. It's suffering in the streets. That
9: block actually um, was filled with almost half of the parking was taken up by city agency cars. So they definitely are there every day.
3: And put aside the needs of the dog, which obviously most people were interested in. It's interesting. Most people were concerned about the dog, not the emotionally disturbed guy. But he's left out there to wallow in his own defecation, his own urine. He's a danger to himself, to everyone else. And he's just left there. I mean,
9: I I had even reached out specifically for this man, and I I, I was there when they came to do, I guess, their equivalent of a wellness check. I mean, it was less than three minutes that they spent with him before deciding he was okay, which completely makes no sense. I mean, again, the the condition that he's living in, but I was speaking with him, he's very clearly not lucid. I mean, all around him is, you know, I'm not sure what type type of... um, Disorder he has, but in addition to that, I and mean, he had alcohol bottles all around him. So, I mean, it's just I don't understand how you know you can call, if you call the the city for the assistance, and that's the response you get. I think that's why people get a little bit jaded. They they think, well, what can I do? Because when I call for help, this is what happens.
3: Well, that and then also it's mostly hipsters and millennials who are bought into condos there and paid outrageous rates. And many of them came down, and they appreciated what uh, you were doing, Nancy, with the other volunteers, uh, but none of them picked up the garbage. I spent my time picking up yeah. all the garbage. I mean, that yes, I
9: know. That's, I know.
3: they could have done that. That was not threatening at all to the emotionally disturbed person. It wouldn't have caused a problem. But there was garbage everywhere, and you're saying, man, people got to start doing some things for themselves and not always depending on government.
9: I mean, and even with the fact that there was a number of these – uh, outdoor eateries so people are willing to sit outside at the restaurant where there's garbage strewn around but they're not going to pick it up themselves that's i find that odd too
3: yeah well we saw quite a few sheds that uh demolition man the mayor should get the uh, sledgehammer to and take down <laughs> because they weren't being used now
9: oh and, oh and and yeah and also uh to your point there uh one of the restaurant workers on that block as well said that that homeless man would go into the shed in the overnight and use it as a restroom yep
3: yeah and that's what's happening all over the city well thanks for that update and that great work and hopefully next week you can give us an update on the health of this dog who was in such distress uh he must have uh, he must have internal problems because when he was walking around and he was trying to eliminate he was almost it was almost impossible. You could see the pain this poor dog correct. was in just to do basic elimination. Correct, correct. Now, last week, all of our listeners, they couldn't stop talking about the carriage horse rider and what had happened to that horse as he passed out in the streets of New York City on the way to the uh, the stalls where they keep the horses and the carriages Uh and where the carriage horse drivers pick them up and then bring them out to Central Park every day and queue him up to, to take rides. It went viral. People witnessed that all over the world, uh, how this um, carriage driver was pulling at Ryder, screaming at him, get up, get up, get up. The cops finally came. They pushed him away. They dousing the horse with water, with ice. Finally, the the horse was able to stand up uh, on its own. Uh, now, It sort of passed from the front pages. But, Nancy, what became of Ryder? I can't imagine that the horse carriage industry put him back out there to haul a carriage around.
9: No, yeah, so they haven't done that. But the question as to what has happened with this horse, it's definitely a question mark because there's no way to confirm what they've said. But supposedly, uh, so a spokesperson for the Transport Workers Union um stated that the fourteen year old horse was taken out of the city to a professional horse farm to be treated for its neurological disorders, so that's the the official word um from from them however uh they're refusing to give any information again they're not required to that 's part of the problem they're not required to actually state to anybody even if it was just um you know city officials local officials. They have, and and their supposed reason for not doing that is uh, the the way that the people who are, you know, who are advocating against the horse carriage industry, oh, we're concerned if you know where the horse is at, you're going to go cause problems for this horse where it's recovering at this supposed farm. I mean, that makes no sense because that's exactly what everyone who wants the industry to end would desire in the first place that this horse actually be treated as it should be treated and and have the issues addressed so it, it's just like sort of a, an excuse for not giving the information, but you know some of the things that uh, have been stated, and you know they, they're really quick to say that oh the driver actually followed industry protocol in the behavior like, in terms of like trying to get the horse up by hitting the horse by whipping the horse. Now, that's disturbing that that would be considered industry protocol. And the ailment that they're saying that this horse suffered from, you know, again, it's according to their vet, And, you know, they don't release any of those records. So you just have to go by their word, which makes no sense because the sort of ancillary issues that would be the fallout, you know, all you need to do is look at the condition of the horse. I mean, you should have been... Uh, well aware of this horse's condition based on a visual observation which is what every single person saw when they saw this horse on the street you all, all you need is your eyes to know something's wrong so the fact that their standard is to look at a horse that's in this har- horrific condition and say oh you're okay to go work that's the problem
3: now you're the lawyer in our family is there a possibility because this is a continuing problem and it doesn't look like it's going to be resolved by the administration of Eric Adams because uh, he is sided with the horse carriage industry against the horses. Yeah. Uh, can you file a Freedom of Information Act to find out when they claim that they're farming these horses out, uh, you know, so that they can get some rest and rehabilitation? Let's face it. How do we know they're not sending them to? Uh, uh, slaughterhouse uh, to uh, a glue factory and just ending their lives?
9: Now, uh, actually, that, that's a great question. I'm not sure the specifics of that. Now, in terms of, um, you know, utilizing that, obviously, now I, I have a feeling there might be uh, some sort of a, an issue because of the fact that, you know, I mean, it, the, technically the animals are considered property. So I'm not sure if you would be able to, you know have any again it's a very that's a great question i haven't um heard of any uh you know freedom of information file i could be you know wrong uh sort of uh tracking a horse that was injured but again the problem is the lack of transparency within you know this uh this industry right so i mean it's, it's like a lot of city agencies they have enough of a distance from uh, you know, being considered a city agency so they don't have to uh, be transparent. I mean, even the the mayor's office, you know, they are they've taken rolled back the uh, transparency requirements. So I think it's very difficult to think you're going to get that information correctly. But I think the easy solution for them, if they were doing the right thing, is they should want to be transparent if they are doing the right thing, because that would be one way. To try and defend what's an industry that should have been taken out a long time ago. I mean, the least they can do is actually provide updates and actual, you know, evidence of what's going on. The fact that they're not doing that, I think, really speaks volumes.
3: I don't trust them. Uh, so let's uh, let's figure it out with all the uh, animal welfare volunteers, figure out a way, because this is not the only horse rider where all of a sudden they've claimed, oh, We've farmed out the horse for rest and rehabilitation. Uh, They'll no longer be pulling a carriage in the streets of New York City or by Central Park. I don't buy that. I could easily see these horses being taken to the glue factory or the slaughterhouse. Up next, a whole country, an entire nation, is completely absorbed with what transpired in Norway when they killed freya the walrus everybody in in uh, norway has an opinion on this including the royal family there why has this become such a critical issue in the country of norway
9: uh well because you know, norway has uh sort of a you know this sort of image of being so uh, eco-friendly and animal friendly and, you know, a very peaceful country. So the idea of what the, you know, the government uh, did, which was basically order a hit on this this walrus, is really disturbing to people. So this walrus had uh, shown up and uh, been at a, a marina for quite a period of time, like in that sort of area. And apparently it's very unusual that they would be getting that close. So, again, I, I don't know. The, but it's a you know it's a big walrus and uh, you know what it does I guess when it sunbades it looks for some sort of a solid uh, structure <laughs> to utilize. So this walrus has been uh, going and taking naps on yachts, pretty much is, is what's going on. So there has been a lot of damage to these boats, and it seems like that's what maybe sparked this desire to. Uh, get rid of this walrus, and they were trying to figure out, oh, how can we remove it or, you know, move it further out into the ocean, and they couldn't figure out a way to do that. So instead, what they decided to do was just kill it, and that's what they did. And then all of a sudden, they, they relayed the fact that they did that, and people just, you know, were completely outraged that they did this to what had really become like an attraction to all the people in the area.
3: Wow. You know, I— Uh, Before you came on for the Animal Welfare Hour, I was railing against Jeff Bezos, who has a $500 million yacht, and they wanted to bring it to port in Rotterdam, which is a big uh, ship uh, repair area, and shipbuilding area uh, in the North Sea. And they wanted the bridge to be taken apart so he could fit his $500 million (laughs) yacht there. And the people of Rotterdam said, F you. I would think, because he couldn't bring that yacht to port in Rotterdam, that it just might have been the the very yacht that this walrus ended up jumping onto in order to sunbathe, and this pig, this Hazari Jeff Bezos, might have put in pressure on Norwegian authorities to terminate its life. I, I I'm just extrapolating here.
9: Well, he certainly has the ability to bury that story if that were the case.
3: But think of it, the proximity of Rotterdam and its shipbuilding and ship repair facilities, uh, where his $500 million yacht was and maybe where it had to end up berthing because they wouldn't take their bridge down for this pig, this Hazara. Right? <laughs> anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Now, there's been an ongoing battle here in New York and in other states. About puppy mills, there's one group of people that they like to purchase their pedigree puppies in a puppy mill or somebody who gets the puppies from a puppy mill, and there are others who say why. Why or why, especially since there are so many unwanted dogs who end up getting destroyed uh, and executed in shelters.
9: Yeah, so this this, uh, pertains to banning uh, puppies that come from out-of-state puppy mills. So, you know, if individuals go online, they're looking for a specific breed, and, you know, basically the dogs are being shipped in state. So this seems to be really the focus of uh, where this this bill is at. And now at this point, the Assembly and the Senate, they they both passed this bill um, banning this, but it's been sitting on the governor's desk since May 10th and it's yet to be signed and there's no uh clear indication as to why it's not being signed uh in terms of like whether she's against this or she's you know she, again it, it's not clear why she's not signing it since it's clearly been you know approved by uh both of the houses and then you know the public opinion as well so but this is what you know the call is and you know obviously the idea that the shelters are overflowing so you know if there is something to be said for the fact that the shelter animals they're you know they're going to be more uh, attractive if you have uh less of a flow of you know a lot of these animals that are in many ways you know uh you know people get them for all sorts of reasons but you know certain breeds uh charge a lot of money so people sometimes want the certain breeds and but the one thing it doesn't do it doesn't address the uh puppy mills that exist in New York, which is actually that, that ties into like a another uh, situation, like recently where in Staten Island, there was uh, 24 husky dogs that were living in uh, a fenced in lot in Staten Island. And, you know, apparently, you know, they, they called uh, people were calling. These dogs are living in horrible conditions. And it was just atrocious uh, how th- how these dogs were living. You know, like, it had, like, two trailers set up, and there's no air. They had no water. There was, like, a a big uh, kiddie pool with green water in it. They had no food except for, like, some things that were there that had maggots on it. There was a dog uh, tied up to a a fence where it couldn't even access anything. Its neck was uh, bleeding from the, the chain that it had. There was a mother puppy who was underneath, a mother dog, rather, who was underneath the trailer and had puppies and one was, you know, one was already dead. By the time they showed up, all of these uh, situations. So now this is like an in-state breeder, right? So the law, it's great that that's the focus of what they're trying to do. Like, you know, uh, focus on shelter pets and not, you know, creating new ones and but and uh uh, these puppy mills are also the biggest abusers of animals to begin with. The, the ways that the conditions that they actually breed puppies, they're the biggest abusers of animals. So there's a reason why you want to, you know, end this industry, and you know, do everything you can. So the fact that she's stalling on signing something that's been approved, you know, again, these are all the. The hurdles that you that you face. I mean, something so simple, just sign this, and you know we want to move forward way past further than this. But you know, dragging your feet on such a simplistic notion.
3: Well, the other night, uh, Staten Island Borough President Vita Fusella was part of the Cats at Night roundtable discussion, uh, which he oftentimes participates with. This is the second time I've spoken with him about animal rights issues as it relates to Staten Island. First was about the shelter out there that is so small, so difficult to get to way out on the South Shore. Uh, And he has promised that he's going to work to expand uh, its space. And then when I spoke to him about the Huskies that Mm -hmm. were being abused there at this pet mill, he said, yeah, we should definitely do something so Uh, On behalf of WABC, because our owner-operator, John and Margot Katsimatidis, are such great animal lovers, clearly Vito Fasella is the Staten Island Borough President, you and I will be having a meeting with him coming up so that we can address some of these issues because he definitely wants to do something to make a difference in the shelter that's out there and amongst those that he knows out there are breeding animals and are abusive in the way they're raising them
9: yeah and 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 even like I mean, and that's why it's so important because the laws that are in place that exist for the animals are virtually non-existent, so you have to stomp it out initially i mean this this guy who is you know been brought up on all these animal abuse charges, even though they're in the care of the a s p c a he technically is still the owner, even though he's on trial for their abuse, which is extremely clear, the abuse that he's done. But he he actually said that um, through his lawyer, he rejected a pro- the prosecutor's request to have the dogs fixed, provided with dental care. He, so he still has the ability to make these decisions when he's on trial and they've already I mean, they've already seen the abuse of these animals. This, they still aren't standing up for the animals when the animals need them to do so. So. Yeah, that you have to be very, very proactive. I mean, you know, th- there's no time to be waiting on these issues.
3: But I want all of our WABC listeners who participate in this Animal Welfare Edition every Sunday night from 11 to 12 to know that uh, the Staten Island Borough President Vito Fusela is not a Johnny-come-lately to this issue. He's been an animal rights supporter for many, many years, and we will meet with him. We will go out to Staten Island. We will deal with the animal abuse issues in Staten Island, how to... Uh, improve the shelter that's out there that's so small as part of the shelter system of New York City. And we'll get back to all of our audience members here at WABC and keep them in the loop as we get more and more people involved who uh, either uh, are part of our WABC family and broadcast here or uh, who do outreach into other areas where we can get even more people involved to put the pressure on all these issues that are critical our number is 1 800 848 9222. That's 1 800 848 WABC. This is the Animal Welfare Hour here on WABC Radio.
2: WABC.
1: The Curtis Slewa Show presents Curtis's Art with Nancy Slewa. Now with Nancy Slewa. Here's Curtis Slewa.
3: Yes, and uh, just as I had mentioned in that Delta Rescue uh, promotion, people should do whatever they can to help Delta Rescue. They do an amazing job. But we all are sitting shiver here with our colleague, Dominic Carter, who will be joining us soon, who suffered the loss of his family member, Dolce. And um, I know and I know you know, Nancy, uh, how close – this animal was to him and his uh wife and his children in their house in Pomona in Rockland County. Man, he was really devastated. He was reeling for days and days over the loss of his beloved Dolce.
9: Yeah, that's uh I mean <clears throat> it's one of the, the toughest things to experience. Um, you know, I know obviously with the <clears throat> the cats that we've had and you know, for for days, it's like, you know, you get so accustomed to your uh, day-to-day interaction with them. So you continue to do things accordingly as though they were there, you know, and it takes a while to sort of kick in. But, yeah, it's, it's tough for a while.
3: It's yeah, well, while. he was crying. And as he said, he normally never cries. I never cry over the loss of a human being. But when Hope, our calico cat, passed away from a reoccurrence of cancer that uh, you had been able to uh, get into remission when you rescued her from the uh, shelter. Uh, boy, I cried for days. I, I mean, that cat was so close to me. When I would come home from campaigning for the mayoralty against Eric Adams in the wee hours in the morning and you and the other cats would say, oh, we don't want to hear it. uh <laughs> The calico cat Hope would actually perch herself right on my shoulder, and she would listen to all my nonsense.
9: <laughs> you she, know, she she was very she was very good. Oh, she was the best.
3: Anyway, let's go to the phone, Stewart in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC, Stuart. Yes, I
7: uh, I, I appreciate all the work you guys are doing. I uh, do. I used to be the uh, special investigator in uh, in New Jersey for the state SPCA, and I ran the Monmouth County SPCA both the animal shelter and law enforcement. I'm oh, wow, right right? Pri- also a licensed private detective. I run animal cruelty enforcement services, and we investigate uh, and bring for prosecution animal cruelty cases. Oh, very and great. I, I, love I it. go throughout the entire country. Uh, as far as your dilemma there watching all this abuse and not being able to do anything, well, yeah. you have more power than you think you have. In New Jersey, and New York is almost is like a sister state, Citizens can file these complaints. problem is prosecution, of course. But if you can get a prosecutor to take these cases, citizens who have standing legal term, if you see the abuse, like the dog you spoke about that was being choked off by the uh, homeless guy, uh, you can go and you can file that complaint. Dogs can be confiscated and held as evidence. And when animals held as evidence, you can provide any and all care necessary and make the cost of the operator, the uh, owner, are responsible, and upon conviction, you can get forfeiture of the animals, all animals, not just the ones that are being abused, all animals in his his or her care, and and you can prevent, as a probationary period, future ownership of animals for a finite period of time, That is. So now, you now,
9: now have you? So, in, in your experience, is it enough that people say something, or do they need to? record it because that's what um pretty
7: much well what, okay. what i do is i gather evidence of people see if i'm not going to see a case for example a dog is uh and i know the husky case you're talking about uh mm-hmm. there's a lot of you, you have to know the statutes you don't have to know them by heart you look them up very mm-hmm. simple you look up all the statutes for the, each individual state did a case in pennsylvania did a case in washington did a case in texas i live in new jersey i know the new jersey laws upwards and backwards you have to know the rules of evidence. That's constitutional. It's in the same in every state. That's not state law. And uh, basically, uh, you can gather the evidence that's going to show with, without – beyond not beyond a reasonable doubt, but with probable cause. You can see an animal that's emaciated, that looks bad, could have cancer. It could be dying. You don't know. But you have cause to – to demand that this animal receive veterinary care. So you can, upon gathering the evidence, and that's a whole separate, uh, uh, not science, but uh, a skill which every person can do it, a private citizen can do it, and if you gather the evidence and you can show that this person is doing this or this dog is in this condition, and you can show that this violates the law of the state, you can write it up, I researched the case law, It's all online. You could look all the stuff up. You can go down. You could sign a complaint in the precinct. And then the case is handled by the prosecutor. In New Jersey, citizens used to be able to file complaints. I've done them. You can Google me, Stuart Goldman, S-T-U-A-R-T-G-O-L-D-M-N. You can Google the cases I've done where the authorities refuse to do these cases because they don't care where they're too busy.
9: Yeah, exactly.
7: They don't know. If you don't know, you ain't going to do if you know, you're more likely to do. And that's what I do. I bring the cases to the prosecutors and hopefully do it. I'm not an animal rights person. Let's remember something. Animal rights and animal law enforcement are two separate entities. Animal rights, that's a whole separate thing for legislation and trying to make things better. But you can have the best laws. I was on the governor's animal welfare task force in New Jersey back in 2003. The state, we studied all the states. The laws are great in New York, they're great. In New Jersey but the enforcement was so horrible so the laws are there and the people can enforce the law so when you ask for more laws more laws no you want more enforcement more enforcement more enforcement not more laws that's the key your laws are good Henry Berg 1863 started the ASPCA the origin it's the only one that carries the a everything else is SPCA you know and that's law enforcement in New Jersey As of January of 2018, the law changed where now police, mainstream police, and prosecutors are mandated to enforce the animal cruelty statutes, which are felonies, by the way, third-degree felonies, fourth-degree felonies, as well as misdemeanors. So the laws are there to be enforced. That's the issue I think you should focus on, enforcement, not new
3: laws. I'll tell you what, Stuart, if uh, you could stay on the line— and uh, Ken, make yourself useful here. Uh, get uh, Stewart's information, and uh, we'll utilize him obviously as a great resource, Nancy, as we move move forward. Oh, absolutely,
9: because absolutely. Well, I mean, totally well well spoken on everything, and and super on point.
3: Yeah, we've had so many people reach out to us in New Jersey, as I've been saying consistently per capita per persons. There are more people listening us uh, to us in New Jersey than anywhere else. Uh, and uh, there are a lot, of more, a lot of animal lovers out there and a lot of animal abusers who need to be dealt with. So, Stuart, we, we thank you for the great information. You've partaken with all of us and we will be definitely tapping into his knowledge in the future and be doing more things in New Jersey because that's part of our mission here at WABC is not forget all the people who have been listening to us for years and years and years in New Jersey. Anyway, let's go to Charles, who's calling from, of course, Woodbridge, New Jersey, where I used to go to the Rio Diner to see thousands of people gather up to watch the King of Talk Radio do his program there. Bob Grant, do you remember that, Charles?
8: Yes, I do. Hello, uh, Curtis. I've been uh, an idol to you for a long time, and I've been following you for a long time about your angels. You are my angel.
3: Well, thank you. Thank you.
8: Well, I just wanted to say that to you. Um, You want to hear my story about my German Shepherds?
3: Oh, yeah, I love German Shepherds. Obviously, we can't have German German,
8: Shepherds. You like German Shepherds? Love them. Love them. Okay, well, nine nine to, uh, I was, my brother was nine and I was 12. My father was a trot driver, Curtis. He brought home two German Shepherd puppies. And we got him licensed and everything, and, and everything was going great and everything. Every time he came home, they greet the, the, the boy dog and the girl dog. And guess what the names were, Curtis? What? What? Brooklyn was uh, actually what he got them. Mm. He brought, because they were stray dogs. Mm. They didn't go to no shelters or anything like that. Mm. And and uh, one was Lynn, and the other one was Brooke. That's mm. how we named them. Wow. So, yeah. So that's that's not bad. What do you think?
3: No, for sure. Sure. Not, what what became what became of both the German Shepherds?
8: Well, we had a house in the back of us in Kaysby. It was a bandit for a long time, and rats came around, and they were foaming through the mouth. And then, you know, you were talking about the SPCA. My mother called them, and I was so sad that, they had to put them to sleep, both of both of them.
3: Well, you see, Charles, you know exactly uh, how our colleague Dominic Carter felt when he um, had no choice, Nancy, but uh, to take the life of Dolce, who was suffering. It's incredible. These are like our family members. They're, they're better than friends. And then when it's their time to go, because usually they go before the humans uh, who outlive them, it is really a tough separation. Really uh, I mean, a tough it's, separation.
9: It's, yeah, it's, it's incredibly uh, difficult to to go through. And, I mean, again, just that, that level of loss that you feel. And, and I think especially when they are, you know, like when they're older, I think they kind of sense a little more. Like you just feel more connection to them. Uh, they get a little, you know, more like a you know quiet and chill, and they just want to sit with you or look out the window. So it's like when they when you see them go through their entire life cycle from really active like little ones to you know middle age to seniors. It's like I mean it's just incredible you know how how close you get to them.
3: For sure, let's go to Lou in Levittown. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC, Lou.
4: My buddy, Curtis Will, my paisano, I'm here speaking to you. I'm speaking to you courtesy of uh, our wonderful people of um, uh, Antonio Meucci and, and uh, Gilles Dugliano Marconi. Anyway, bottom line is, Curtis, I appreciate what you're doing, and I'm glad you're just spotlighting ACAC on Staten Island. There's also an ACAC. Animal Care and Control, formerly CACC, up in uh, East 110th Street and First Avenue in Spanish Harlem. And as you stated before, those two are the last kill shelters. And we have to put pressure on them not to kill because, after all, you know, dogs are wonderful. They help with the police. As an American Marine that I, I have a beautiful Marine mongrel. He pulls me on my wheelchair. But the point that I'm making is they should be as concerned for the dogs as the fact that 64% of the homeless men and women in America, and there shouldn't be one in America, are American veterans, God help them. And 13,000 American veterans commit suicide every year, God forgive them. And I do what I can, you know, to help all through pandemic and before corona, going to New York and New Jersey with a wheelchair, with the dog pulling it, bringing food back to American veterans in, in homeless encampments and in shut But the idea is much, much more has to be done. I think we should be more concerned with the dogs and cats that are being euthanized than the thugs in Rikers Island condition. That's my opinion.
3: Well, I tell you I tell you, Lou, now that we have so much commercial space, empty space in Manhattan, in the outer boroughs, there can no longer be an excuse that there's not enough space to run a decent shelter system. Uh, there are landlords who would be willing to have any anyone lease or rent a space, especially from the city, uh, with a private partnership. That C, uh ACAC is. Uh, they got a lot of money, and uh, we've we've been in all these places, Nancy. Probably without a doubt, the worst shelter of ACAC is right uh, off of Linden Boulevard. In the heart of East New York, in the most crime-infested area imaginable, where there are shootouts on a regular basis, Cypress Hills Project, Boulevard Projects, pink houses, and nobody's going to come there. Nobody's going to come to look at the animals who have been uh, uh, who have been uh, volunteered over to the shelter because maybe people can no longer care for them, or they they they're sick themselves, and they 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 have to surrender the animals. They've got to move these places to make it convenient for people, and they've got to give the animals in their care a lot of space to move. They're not doing that.
9: I mean, is it that in terms of the borough of Brooklyn, uh, they could not have picked a uh, worse, more worse location for accessibility to the public. In public transportation, you're not talking about any place that people are walking by. There's no showcase of the animals, it's difficult to get to. There's fences outside this location. You have to make an appointment lots of times to even see animals that you're interested in adopting. This is the the protocols they have now. A little bit of a carry over from uh the COVID, but this is a problem. You're making the animals so hard to to access. So that's number 1. And in terms of the city, the problem is The fact that they've been tasked with this, uh, you know, with this uh, objective of taking in any animal that people want to surrender. Okay, so if you're going to take it upon, you know, this is a responsibility, you need to take care of the animals. All you need to do is look at uh, some of the successful uh, nonprofit rescue organizations that exist throughout the city. They do an incredibly way better job than the city with a fraction of the budget So what you want to do is the city should be bolstering up that in terms of the funding they get, not having the kill shelters, but supporting the organizations that are actually out there doing the right work, because they clearly have the right model, the right protocol. And the easiest thing they can give, like uh, to your point, is space, right? That's the biggest thing they give. Oh, we're giving you three locations and three boroughs. Yeah, that's great. Except you p- picked the worst locations possible for potential adoptions. You have all the space in the world that's sitting vacant. You start op- opening up space for these same successful, you know, organizations that are doing great work already. And now you just give them the space. That's a game changer. That makes you know New York City able to go from kill to no kill super quickly. So, I mean, that's that's a very easy
3: solution. Well, in fact, as we talk about the Brooklyn shelter, which is without a doubt in the most dangerous neighborhood in all of the city of New York that has now a lot of dangerous neighborhoods. Uh, I'll never forget. You scan the kill list all the time. You try to get there before that moment in which the. Authorities who run the ACAC have determined that they are going to euthanize, execute, destroy the animal. Uh, and you try to get there and oftentimes do to rescue that animal and bring them home uh, where you socialize them. You get them their medical treatment, anything they need, and then you prepare to uh, foster them out or adopt them out. And I'll never forget, you had a call it was a, a cat that was in desperate need. You said, I'm dropping everything. I'm going out there now. And I, I think I just finished working like 20 hours. This is before I was running for mayor. And I said, no, you're not going there. I'm I'm coming with you. You're not going to that neighborhood. I mean, I grew up around there. That's dangerous. And it was in the summertime. Their, their time to remain open was till 5 o'clock that night. It was 2 o'clock. We were on Woodhaven Boulevard. We were just approaching Jamaica Avenue. Would have been there in plenty of time. And then you got the call that they were closing early, almost like a scene out of The Goodfella in which the person there said, there's nothing you can do, No, no reason to come. We executed the animal. I saw you break down in tears. You pulled over to the side. You were banging the dashboards. And I swore... To Nancy, at that moment, I would run for mayor. Before that, I hadn't made the full commitment. And I said it then, and I repeated this story to do one thing, which was to make sure that we had no kill shelters. Uh, you remember that day? Uh,
9: of, of course. I, I And uh, I mean, we, we had an appointment. They knew that I was coming. It wasn't as though this kitten died of natural causes. They chose to euthanize it prior to our arrival, knowing that a a group was coming to pick them up and was going to do everything they can to make sure this kitten was okay. So that was, again, just so heartbreaking. Um, You know, just, you know, the, the mindset of I'm ready to take in a kitten, okay, bottle feeding, I got, you know, and then... Oh no, the kitten's gone. Just like that. Like nothing. And, and no, and, and again, all the information is extremely light. Oh, well, you know, the vets took a a second glance and said, no, it's probably not going to make it. So let's just kill it. Like, h- how is that even possible? You, I mean, th- when they hand over animals to people and uh, most of the ones that we've ever gotten from the kill list, they have a variety of medical issues. They don't, treat the medical issues i mean they do very very minimal um you know uh things to address what's interesting is they you know they give a a lot of uh different uh immunization things like that but they don't address medical issues so the presumption is whatever you know it's like you know as is whatever the animal has it's your responsibility so they're not taking any financial responsibility for whatever you're going to do medically to make sure that this animal survives, and yet they were unwilling to, you know, relinquish it, knowing that someone was coming to rescue it. I mean, again, just totally, I mean, ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Well,
3: that's when I swore I would run for mayor, and then I was given the opportunity and uh, uh, on a platform of no-kill shelters, the very platform that our owner and operator, John Katsimatidis, had run on in 2013 when he ran for mayor, no-kill shelters, Unfortunately, I didn't get elected because had I gotten elected, like all politicians say, on day one, well, you better believe, on day one, I would have visited all of those shelters and I would have told the administrators, you had better not kill not one of these animals unless there is absolutely no other way to save that animal or if it's in such extreme pain and suffering that the humanitarian thing to do would be to allow it to pass into the hereafter. I mean,
9: that's what the uh, SARA legislation is all about, that continually, uh, you know, is rebuffed by the local officials. I mean, you have to set up basic parameters for care and say that if the goal is that your responsibility is to take care of these animals, we're required to. Anyone who brings in an animal, we have to take them. Well, the ancillary goal is you also have to keep them alive. It's easy for someone to take them in if all they're going to do is euthanize them. But they're not taking the responsibility for keeping them alive. That's the problem. And they're not providing minimum standards of care. So if you had a basic uh, standard of care, these animals would be fine. It's just we don't even have that. We have almost zero protection for any of these animals going into the shelter. So the city cries, oh, woe is us. We have to take them in. Yeah, but you don't do anything that has any successful record. That's the problem. Like, you aren't the people who should be in charge of caretaking for animals because you're not doing it the right way.
3: Now, if uh, anybody would like any further information or to get into contact uh, with you about an animal welfare issue, how can they do that, Nancy?
9: Uh, Well, uh, guardianangels.org, they can visit uh, that site and check out the uh, animal protection but uh, you can email me directly also nancy at org.
3: nancy at org. boy we got a lot of work this week on the animal welfare front and hopefully more good news that we can bring to our listeners uh, same time same place next uh sunday night
9: oh and just to tell tell everyone too so the the the, the cat's name uh the, the second kitten rescue is is callie
3: Ah, that's right. We've come up with a name. Thank you for the many hundreds of people that gave suggestions for the name of the rescue, the four kittens. We're now on to the third kitten, and there's a fourth kitten. So if your name wasn't chosen for the first two, Peanut and Callie, there's really two more to go.
9: There you go. W-A-B-C. New York's
1: talk station with the king of New York, Curtis Lewa, 77 W.A.B.C. It's all in the hips. It's
4: all in the hips. Work with me. It's all in the hips. 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 It's all in the
6: hips. Get off of me. It's all in the hips. He just needs the attention, baby. It's all in the hips.
2: I'm my it's all in the hips. I know I'm on My
3: hips don't see Boy, I can see your body moving. in the baby, like this is. No fighting, no fighting. I am completely open. You know, I'm a nightlife man, and I like to test the product. That's our new theme song here for Eric Adams, your friend, the Swagger Man with no plan, who Dominic Carter this past week has hit more clubs at night than I thought <laughs> I could count on one on one hand, and was with Slick Rick today and those degenerate hip hop monsters in Harlem. We are paying for a concert that they were putting on at 135th and St. Nick.
2: Well, what was the uh, concert? Was it Harlem Week or was it, was it... Why are you looking at me like that?
3: Well, because the mayor has been anointed by them the hip-hop mayor now. Well, he called himself
2: the first hip-hop
3: mayor. Well, no, they actually anointed him because he gave them $5.5 million of our hard-earned money for the hip-hop museum.
2: Well, I do think that's important. I, I have to be honest with you. Don't look at me like that. I believe, no, no, given, no, given no, 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 the
3: historical no, 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 no.
2: importance of rap to the world. Sure. Uh, Jay-Z
3: that- Z is a billionaire, right? He <laughs> couldn't, couldn't donate that and write it off on his taxes. <laughs> and now he's the hip-hop mayor. <laughs> the hell? Why doesn't he just do the job? Uh, right. I agree. I agree with that. I agree
2: with that. God, it's so
3: bad, Dominic.
2: Yeah. Everywhere you look. Everywhere you look, this morning I have nothing but, well, technically tonight, right now, but when I start in uh, three minutes, nothing but one bad news story after another.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I try to change up, but it's sort of like, my God, just when you think it can't get any worse, it does. It does. And they refuse to name and shame the DAs. They, they, they say, oh, the DAs. That- right. Alvin right. Bragg. Right. Darcel, open up the jail cell, Clark. Yes. And Eric Gonzalez in Brooklyn. Yes. See no evil, speak no evil, <laughs> hear no evil. They are the three worst district attorneys in New York City, and you won't hear Hoko or Eric Adams name them or shame them.
2: Love I'm you, an- man. No,
3: I don't go that way.